This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the grand, spectacular 50th episode of What Did You Watch This Week? And my name is Mike. My name is John. Does this make it like our golden anniversary? No. I mean, it's 50 episodes, essentially 50 weeks or ish. 50 episodes-ish. Yeah. I mean, the big one's going to be in two weeks, you know, the recap show. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. Clip show where we just kind of splice everything together. Yep, sorry, clip show, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. recap show. Recap show is what we do every week, basically. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that's <laughs> kind of our brand. Recap is what, we, is what we're known for. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Fun week. I want, Got some exciting I, stuff. You did. You, you do. No, not really. Okay, excellent. We'll be a short show then. Yep. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> now, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> So I um the Academy Awards are on tonight and we're recording late on Sunday night, so um probably by the end of the show we can talk about the winners. Mm, yeah. I, I the I'm not trying to be cynical, but you know um the the fact of the matter is, as Adam ruins everything pointed out to us a while ago, um the the Oscars, the Academy Awards, etc., are all bought and paid for. You know, they the the people put out those for your consideration tapes, and they take the people out to dinners and they wine and dine them and send them gift baskets and stuff like that. And it's basically whoever can bribe the judges the best, and it's well known fact in Hollywood. So you know, these things were all decided quite a while ago by whoever put the most money up. Spoiler alert: I betting that La La Land is going to be tops of the list. Well, I have heard a lot of mixed reviews about La La Land myself. Oh, yeah? I've heard from some that it's a great movie. My wife was saying that she read a couple of reviews where people standed and applauded at the end of the film. I said, is that because the travesty of justice is over? And she said, I don't know. Um, let's think about that. How many movies have you been to? A lot. Where the, where the audience applauded at the end of the film. Not just like you and I going like, wow, that was great. You know, we kind of, but like there was an actually a round of applause when the movie was over. Um, let's see. Phantom Menace, when it first came out, uh, yeah. because people were foolish back then and they just wanted more Star Wars. They just they wanted realize. more Star Wars. Absolutely. Yep. yep. I um, remember that. Uh, episode seven. Definitely yep. got a round of applause at the end. Yep. I'm pretty sure my first screening of Civil War got applause at the end. Um, but these were all high-quality nerd movies. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. And it's usually you're going to the opening night or one of the opening shows. It's a packed theater. You know, it's like by the time I saw Civil War, it had been out for like a week and a half, and there was only a few of us in the theater. Um, Rogue One. At the end yes. of that movie, that got a thunderous round of applause. Yep. And actually, yep. um, 
the new Star Trek flick when I saw that in Ocean City, Maryland. There was a there was a smattering of applause at the end of that film. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can't I can't imagine that La La Land would be that good. Read it's not uh, that it. Uh, it got a round of applause. Yeah, especially considering the audience that would be seeing it. Like I said, you know, yeah. the, these movies that we're talking about are geeky movies. You know, these are people who are going to applaud at that. These are people who are going to cheer at the Lucasfilm logo. They did too, yeah. 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 Or or when Rogue One started and there was no crawl and it just started into the movie, people going, what? What? Yeah. What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what the damn hell? Um, but yeah. Yeah, so that's coming out in April, I think I just read recently, the the Blu-ray on that. And there's a big special edition one coming out. I see. Steelbook, or there's one with a figure. I mean, yeah. So I plan on picking that up. We're coming into the period here where we're getting a lot of the movies that we enjoyed, you know, months ago. So I know Doctor Strange is out now on digital, I believe. Yep, it is out digitally. (sighs) That's exciting. Absolutely it is. So let's get into what we're here for. What did you watch this week, John? Start us out with Walking Dead. Walking Dead. So the uh, the main focus of this one, the group met. Uh, I had forgotten when I recapped from last week that at the end of the episode, uh, Rick et al. Were, they went into a junkyard and they got immediately surrounded by all these people dressed in black and – it looked like, you know, there was like seven of these guys and like a hundred of the other ones. And the closing scene was like all the survivors like readying themselves, getting ready for a fight. And then Rick just gets this big old shit-eating grin on his face. And we're all like, why is he smiling? Does he recognize somebody here? And it turns out that what had happened was a while back, a few episodes back, back before the hiatus – They'd been out scavenging for the saviors and they found this, like, basically some guy had put all of his supplies on a little, I guess like a makeshift island, kind of like a raft out in the uh, lake. It was like a fishing shed on a dock and uh, the lake was filled with walkers that, you know, it was shallow enough that their heads were sticking out and they could reach their arms up and he put one boat there. Uh, so that he could get back and forth, but it had a hole in it or a couple of holes in it. So it was going to sink as they tried to get across. It was really like, it, it was a wily e. coyote kind of thing. So they had gotten over there, gotten all the supplies, taken them back to their camp so that the saviors could have them. And then, um, these people in the junkyard had been watching and they were like, those were our supplies. We wanted them. So Rick was smiling because he realized that these people were not the saviors. So if they're not the saviors, they were probably going to help kill the saviors, you know, basically the enemy of my enemy. And they had these big impassioned speeches and, you know, he told them that they needed a help and they were like, no, we don't care. They're very simple folk. Um, they choose not to talk a lot. So they'll just be like, go there, look up, you know, it, Almost a uh, caveman-like mentality. Most of them don't talk at all, just the leaders do. And uh, so they took Rick to the up, up, up. They said, let's show him the up, up, up. And it was basically just climbing to the top of a trash heap. Because, like I said, this is a dump. And they uh, let him look out over the trash heap strewn land and then knocked him down into the uh, pit below where he fought 
one of the coolest walkers I've seen yet. They basically put metal plates all over this guy with spikes sticking out of them, including his head. His entire head, except for his mouth, was encased in uh, a metal helmet with spikes on it. So, you know, Rick's trying to kill this guy, and he can't get through the armor. And every time he'd, like, put his hand up to stop the guy, he'd get spikes through his hand. And it was uh, pretty devilish. Finally ended up stopping him by, you know, realizing, hey, you're in a pile of garbage. And so he just grabbed random bags of garbage and started dragging them out so that the whole wall tumbled down on the uh, walker. And they said, okay, we'll help you. You bring us guns, we'll help you. So that's where we left them. Now they said they got to go out and get some guns so that this group of, you know, a 100-plus survivors will help them kill the saviors. Yeah, I'm glad I don't watch the show anymore. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that it doesn't have the, uh, you know, drawing power of well, American it, it, Horror Story live reality show. But Oh, no, I thought that was garbage, too. But no, it's just even <laughs> it listening was. to you just talk about it, it's just like, you're like, yeah, well, then they... <sighs> they did this, and uh, it, so it's, it's such like, a it's, slow it's moving like, show yeah, week to week that it's it just, hard not to. It just sounds like it pains you to discuss it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like it's enjoyable when I'm watching it, but then to discuss it, it's like, well, you know, essentially it was a sixty minute show where they walk ten feet. You know, yeah. The, I, oh, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of stuff happens in the meantime, and, right? And it becomes painfully obvious. Like if you were to sit there and have to write papers about it or write reviews of it, it would probably be a hard thing to do without saying, "Why am I watching this?" But I know that when I watch, I, I think the same thing goes for Game of Thrones. Honestly, maybe yeah. not for the last season, but if you start looking at like seasons three and four, yeah, like. They're enjoyable to watch, but then afterwards, if you're like, let's recap it, you start talking, and you're like, and then they walked across the hill, and then they walked up to the edge of the all forest. Right. All I can think of is Randall and Clerks 2 talking <laughs> about Lord of the Rings. Even the trees walked in that movie. <laughs> you know, he walks, 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 stops, looks down, drops the ring, shrugs, shows, turns around, walks. <laughs> Uh, okay, so while we're why while I brought that up real quick, sure. So I was reading that. All right, so Kevin Smith, uh, no Clerks three now because one of the actors pulled out. He wouldn't say who. Oh, uh, giggity. Uh, Mall Rats is no longer going to be a movie. It's now he's shopping around to be a ten episode series oh or something God. like that. Uh, and and so now he's working on on something else. And it's like what what what. Like I, I like, and it's funny because like I don't listen to his podcast all the time because I I don't like listening to him smoke pot and then I just I have a hard time. I listen to certain episodes, but like when it's just the two of them, I can't get into it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um. But yeah, like he he, he February tenth, two thousand seventeen, Smith announced the cancellation of Clerks three as one of the lead actors dropped out of the project three months before shooting. This combined with trouble getting the Mall Rats 2 series off the ground inspires Smith to write and direct Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back sequel instead called Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. And they're filming it this summer. So in other words, it's just going to be him and Jay Muse because Jay Muse will do anything he wants. Pretty much. And it'll be complete garbage. 
I'm not like I'm not excited about this. I was excited about the idea of a Clerks three because yep. I'm a big fan of Dante and Randall. Yes, I was even kind of excited about Mallrats two. I was a little surprised because, like, what more can you do? Right. You know what I mean? Um, but the fact that they're dropping both of those and we're getting another Jay and Silent Bob movie. Not that I don't like Jay and Silent Bob, but <sighs> dude, I'm tired of Jay and Silent Bob. Kinda, yeah. Like, I mean, having a Clerks three, I would expect them to be in the movie as the background secondary characters. They are, mm-hmm. which is cool. But to have them take up, like, I almost feel like them doing a whole movie was a one and done thing. Yes, they're in the majority of Dogma, but again, they weren't the stars. They were there the whole time, but they were still kind of the background guys, right? Jay and Silent Bob strike back. We got all the cameos. We got all the cheeky nods. We got the tongue in cheeks. We got the, oh, look what we just did. Oh, look, you got Jason Lee playing two characters, you know, playing, you know, you know, it, it, you, you finally get the, the story of Suzanne, the orangutan from the end of Mallrats. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, oh, like, cool. it's done. What are they going to do now? Get suck is what they're going to do. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not. Not real happy about that. I mean, I'm still wondering what happened to Moose Jaws. I think what's happening is that Kevin Smith is just all over the place. If you really try tracking his career, tracking what he's doing now, you know, he shows up on the most random things. You know, he did the, um, that CW presents a look ahead at Suicide Squad and, he got on there yeah. and he was like, look guys, it's behind the scenes and blah, blah, blah. And he had his little half hour show and it was, I, I kept wondering why him, you know, he's not an authority yeah. on this stuff. He He's not even running his comic book shop anymore. He doesn't even show up to it. And then, you know, he shows up to direct certain CW episodes and then they start showing up all these, uh, you know, screenshots and behind the scenes photos yeah. and I'm going to do this. And look, I'm with these guys and that's great. But why? You know, you're not – he doesn't have a name anymore. It used to be Kevin Smith, right. the director, and now yeah. he's like Kevin Smith, that that fat stoner. He, that he does everything. Wanted, yeah, well, he kind of wanders actually, on Actually, he everything. lost quite a little bit of weight. He's just a stoner now. Oh, I see. Yeah. But I mean like, you know, he's directing The Flash, directing Supergirl, directing The Goldbergs. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was looking forward to – Clerks 3. I'm a little annoyed we're not getting anymore. Yep. I guess that's what it comes down to. Yep. So. That's a pisser. I'd, I'd like to know why. Like, I'd like to know the real reason why, not just. Right. Yeah. So. But yeah, where's Moose Jaws? Because <laughs> that was supposed to be the third movie in the uh, True North trilogy with Tusk and Yoga Hosers. Right. So. I don't know. Hey, you know, I never even watched like Jane Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie. Me either. I just realized that. I never watched that. Yeah, I never cared to. Like, honestly, I heard that it was out and I went, eh. Yeah. Hmm. So anyhow, um, sorry, Kevin Smith rant and roll. Uh, <laughs> were, you, were you finished up with The Walking Dead? Oh, yeah. Was that yeah. short up? Okay, cool. Um, I watched something new on Netflix this week. It's a series they have on there called uh, Curious and Unusual Death. And um, I watched one episode just kind of like, oh, gee, what this is this about? And I just don't like the format of the show. It's really like – it's a 20-minute show, but it makes – it feels like you're watching an hour-long show just the way they the way they do it. 
the presentation isn't crisp; it just it drags. But there okay. was one I watched. Like I said, I watched the one episode. There was one particular death that I thought was pretty, pretty good. Well, you know what I mean. So there's this guy, there's this guy fishing in Texas, like in the Gulf, and he's doing he's fishing from shore on the beach, and you know he like one of those douches. He's got his truck parked on the beach, and apparently he's not having a whole lot of luck fishing, so he decides to take a nap. So he lays down under his truck to take a nap to okay. keep you know stay out from the elements. Well, of course, this one day, like a year, one day a month, whatever, the sun, the moon, the earth are aligned in a way with which the gravity is extra, being extra pulled, so it's an extra high tide. Okay. okay. So while he's laying under the truck napping, the tide comes in. And it starts hitting his back tires. And after lapping the, the sand for quite a while, his t- truck starts sinking down into the water. So the truck sinks down, the rear of the truck, and it pins him on the ground. <laughs> okay? Not enough that it suffocates him. Like, that's not how he dies. He actually drowns because he can't get out from underneath the truck. He's yelling for help. No one can hear him clearly because he was found under his truck the next morning. But, uh, yeah, so he laid there and he drowned as the tide came in. He finally, it went over his head. Well, that's something special. It just sounds like a really shitty way to die. (laughs) (laughs) So to everyone listening, don't sleep under your truck on the beach. Right. There's so many better things that you could do at the beach. And if you're tired, go home. <laughs> Just stop fishing and go go home. Go that, to bed. That seems like um that seems like good advice, period. Right? Right? <laughs> Kinda like from the superstore this week. <laughs> I'm going right to it. Hold on, I gotta turn the page. The greatest one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard of my life in a TV show. Uh which is <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any training videos on not discussing a- <laughs> Okay, okay. We don't have any training videos on not discussing abortion at work because we thought it was so obvious. But you guys managed to surprise us, so good job. <laughs> it was it was so like matter of fact from the district manager. He's just like so congratulations. Oh my gosh. That was so great. It was a great episode. Like it, Glenn doesn't want to be bossed around, or he feels that uh, Jonah knows everything. Yeah, that Jonah's bossing around. Jonah knows anything, and so when he's having a a reaction from not drinking his two gallons of juice every day, <laughs> Jonah goes, "Glenn, come on, we gotta loosen your tie." No, Glenn says, "No, I'm going to tighten my tie." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Joe's like, how's that working out for you? Fine. I mean, just, it was, this was one of the funniest episodes ever of this show. There was so many great lines. There was so much great humor in it. The story was ridiculous. I mean, Sandra basically gets exposed that she's not really dating the district manager that Mateo is. Everybody knows essentially except Amy. Well, yeah. A lot of people know except Amy. Amy, of course, ruins it by telling people. Everyone thinks that Sandra's crazy. And then Amy says, no, she's actually pregnant, which that just snowballs it. And then Glenn's like, well, we got to talk to her about it. And she's like, no, she doesn't know if she's keeping it. And then that's when the whole abortion discussion comes in. Right. Uh, I mean, it was fantastic. The way it was done, the delivery, it was fantastic. And then at the end, when the district manager says, no, I'm not dating Amy, I'm gay. I love how Glenn's like, you are? <laughs> and then his line, 
He's like, yes, I am. Are you serious? And Glenn's like, well, if you can be gay, that means anyone can be gay. Just, <laughs> yeah, he could, like it was blowing his mind because then he kept going back to it. And he's like, but look at you. You're like a schlub. Look, you're not attractive at all. How can you be gay? <laughs> like he could not fathom the fact that this was a normal looking person who was gay. He's like, no, you have to be like glamorous looking. Right. You have to be, yeah, stereotypical. It's awesome. It was yeah. just awesome. It, it was really a great was. episode. I truly uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, it's on Hulu or NBC app probably. I don't know, but just, just watch it. Yeah, it's it's getting better and better. It's one of those shows that really surprised me how much I ended up liking it. Because it should just be a stupid sitcom one-off type of thing. And instead, it's something that I really – I've gotten to the point where I look forward to it every week. Yeah, I binged it the first season once they were all on Hulu because it's like, oh, the whole first season's on Hulu. And it was like one of those nights where I was like, well, let's just see what the first episode's about. And they got over it. I was like, all right, that's pretty good, I guess. Yep. And then, um, you know, this season's been great. Yes. But all the secrets came out this episode. Mateo's actually dating the manager. Um, oh, what's the assistant manager? Jeff? Uh, oh, Dina. Dina. Okay, it is Dina. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Dina's been having sex with Garrett. Uh, you know, just everything kind of came out in that aspect. Which <laughs> and Amy called in sick to go see the Batman, like the Lego the Batman, Lego movie. Batman <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what the hell is a Lego Batman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of nice because they kind of wrapped up all of those loose end stories, you know, that yeah. drove the show each week. You know, each week you, oh, are they going to get caught for having sex? You know, Dina and Garrett or, uh, is Sandra's lie finally going to come to the fold? You know, and it was good. She was like, yeah, you know what? I'm happy that this happened because I don't feel like I have to keep lying and I don't have to keep running up my credit card bills <laughs> except for then at the end she had to take the carriage. <laughs> She's like, couldn't get my deposit back. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Can, you, can we stop it and get some frozen yogurt? <laughs> I wonder if Sandra's going to go back to that. Well, no, because it was a random guy at that bar. Yeah, I wish she would because he was kind of like her person. But they'll probably, yeah, that was probably just for a joke kind of thing. Yep. I I will say while we're talking about Superstore that Superstore right now is carrying Powerless as far as I'm concerned because – Yeah, this week's Powerless was kind of funny, but I agree with you. It it had a good – like connotation to it you know whoa what you know we always see the villains but this was she's dating a henchman and yeah you know what happens with that do you tell them but, that they're dating a henchman and and then of course they uh they but it's the stereotypical like 1960s batman henchman where they take it they has <laughs> yes he has a shirt with a question mark on it and you see the thing for me was excuse me please this the thing for me is the show to me, like, oh, Amy's Dana Henchman. Uh, Amy, um, what's her name? I don't even remember because I don't it doesn't care. matter. Vanessa Hudgens' character, right? That's who's the actress. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, she's dating a. Uh, we're so professional. Emily, Emily is dating a henchman. Should we tell her? Oh no, we probably shouldn't. Like, it's too matter of fact. Yeah, and I think that's the problem with it. I mean, they basically they're taking superheroes, they're taking villains, they're taking everything, and this is just oh, this is a matter of fact. You know, uh, 
part of our life, day in the life type thing. It's no big deal. Oh, ho, hum. Like, and I know that's been my complaint from the beginning on it, but that's, that's why, I, that's how I still feel about it. It's just not, and I get, good. I get why they would do it. You know, they're trying to show us that this is their world. Right, but <sighs> I think it belittles everything else out there, comic book related. Because this is their world and they're treating it like a goofy thing rather than a serious thing. Right, like the Batman, okay, the campy, okay, the Batman um, TV show from the 60s, let's just say. It was campy, but the the villains and their henchmen weren't taken lightly. You know what I mean? The public was in fear of them. They needed Batman to save them. You know, they needed help with the police department. The villains and the henchmen, when they did stuff, people weren't just oh ho hum and shrugging their shoulders. They were scared. Yep. You know what I mean? So, like, yes, it was campy, but it wasn't campy in that way where how powerless is. Where powerless is campy in the way that they're not, you know, okay, henchmen are bad people, but whatever. It's a way of thing of life. Oh, here comes the guy. He's going to blow up my cart. Oh, well. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time formulating the words I want to say, but it was it's it's campy in a disrespectful way, as opposed to the way the Batman was. And then if you look at also kind of how the rest of comic book universe is, you know, it's it's none of it's like that, right? I, I see. I know what you're saying. I don't know if I would go so far as to use the word disrespectful. It's it's parody in a way. You know, it's yeah. supposed to be showing that this is so commonplace for them. Um, it's like, you know, Superman has these powers, but he wakes up yeah. every day with these powers. So it's not like he goes out there every day and shows off to people and goes, you know, hey, look what I can do now. Look what I can do now. You know, the first few times that he flew as a kid was probably amazing. Once you do it all the time, uh, driving a car right now. A 12-year-old thinks it's the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah. You don't even realize what you're doing most of the time unless you're like parallel parking or something, you know, or the traffic's heavy. But how many times have we been on autopilot when we're driving around and we're just like, oh, wow, I got here. I didn't even realize it because yeah. it's nothing to us. And I think that's where they're trying to go with it, even though it's coming across as a little too uh, on the Black nose. Yeah. yeah. If they weren't trying to highlight how, like, unimpressed these people were, I think you might like it more. You know, it might seem a little bit more realistic. But I got the impression that it's just that they, it's just every day to them. Okay. All right. I guess we can look at it from that point of view. Uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I could be completely wrong. Right. Oh, well, either way. <laughs> either way. Hey, let's talk about a show that we both love that may never be on TV again. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Timeless. Yeah. So we have the, the finale this week. And, and I mean, yeah. I even read that it's not even going to be pitched for season two until sometime in April. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing was, like, I watched the episode after I saw a couple of uh, headlines that were, like, talking to the creators of Timeless about the cliffhanger ending and how they wanted to go out and give some resolution and, and then leave it on a cliffhanger so hopefully it would be ready for season two. I didn't see much resolution. I saw a lot of cliffhanger. A lot of cliffhangers. Well, see, I saw a lot of cliffhanger, too, but not really. Because... 
All right. Either. All right. So let's just talk about it real quick, I yeah. guess. So they're back in, in 1954, whatever. And uh, for the most rushed um, McCarthy oh hearing type thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And basically, you know, uh, Flynn is going to kill everyone in the Rittenhouse meeting. He's going to blow the place up. Yep. Lucy goes. They stop him and they decide, hey, uh we're going to work together and do this because I've managed to talk Flynn into this. And they meet Lucy's grandfather and basically like show them that they're time travelers, tell them how bad Rittenhouse is and say, so for the next 60 years, you need to secretly gather intel. Mm-hmm. And I'll see you in 60 years, basically. Yep. And that's what he does. Yep. And it's, I mean, it goes from like, okay, we're back in time, and why, and she's like, why you need to go to the future so he can see what you're doing, okay? Right. And and so him and Gia and Rufus leave, and they 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 blip out, and then she tells him everything that's going on, and then basically you get like a, a fade swipe to. Wyatt and Lucy walking into a place going, oh, I didn't know he had a granddaughter or whatever. <laughs> and they go talk to old man grandpa now. Yep. And he's like, oh, I, I didn't know you. I didn't even know if you were real or not. But then my son said he had a daughter named Lucy. And I thought, oh, I've been doing the right thing. And then it cut to, oh, here's his room with all this information. And then cut to, oh, we're, we've now arrested 200 Rittenhouse agents. Yeah. Around the world. Yep. And don't worry, you get to use the time ship one more time to go save your sister. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, okay, all right, well, they really kind of wrap this up in a, in, in a nice little bow. And then she goes to her mom and she tells her mom the truth and her mom basically drops the bomb of, oh, no, I'm in Rittenhouse and so isn't your dad and Rittenhouse isn't going to let me get sick for some person that doesn't even exist, some person that's a blip on the radar. And she's like, oh, my God, my mom's Rittenhouse. But at that point, to me, like Rittenhouse isn't a threat anymore. They don't have – you know, I mean technically, yes. They had a secret agent who has the mothership now. Um, what's her face? Emma Whitmore. You still there? Yeah. They, okay. They, so Emma Whitmore's the the pilot that when we meet in the Just James episode, she's the she's a Rittenhouse double agent. She has the mothership now. But still, I don't know. I, I wasn't as blown away by it. I was more just along the lines of like, okay, so you're going to be arrested soon, I assume, because your your information's got to be in there. <laughs> If you're a family legacy as well. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. Well, then there's the other side of the coin. The other thing that um, uh, you didn't mention at all, which is that they, when they went back in time, they took a fourth person, which was Gia. Yes. And yes. Gia started developing some odd symptoms. Like her eye went completely bloodshot. Like it was just filled with blood. And she was like, I don't know what's going on. I feel fine. That went away even though Rufus was concerned, and then suddenly she started convulsing and passed out. And they didn't know if it was because they took a fourth person back there or what. So they brought her back to the present, and she's in a hospital bed, and now she's having these visions, these flashes of an alternate reality, you know, looking out at the bridge and seeing it shimmer, and then suddenly it's the collapsed version of the bridge, and the world looks all gray and dark and yep. desolate. Yeah. 
So that's where I'm saying it's very wide open. Um, yeah, I, I guess on that side of things, yes. But like, I'm, I don't know. I had a problem with her being the one that got sick just because there was four people. So it's going to be the fourth person. But that's the thing is we don't know if that's the reason. We don't right. know if it's because they brought a fourth person or is there something about her that okay, by bringing true. her back in time did it disrupt things? You know, was yeah. she supposed to have some other kind of destiny and it was disrupting things? So she, she was like canceling out her own timeline kind of thing or was this something completely different that they haven't even touched upon? Because this is Eric Kripke and he likes to add in stuff like that that we That's never true. see coming. Oh, and I also, we didn't mention that uh, at the end, Lucy brought Flynn the name of the person who killed her father, who killed his, who ordered the hit on his family and killed yep. and the people that killed his family. But then he was arrested. Yep. And she seemed very upset about it, but also didn't really struggle to save him. No, no, she didn't. So, so he's basically off the board now. But Rittenhouse does have a ship. Uh-huh. We don't know what they're going to do with it. Yep. G is having flashes of what could be an alternate world. I actually took that as uh, she's stuck between times, but I, I guess the bridge uh, – because was that the Golden Gate Bridge? Where that, they that was are. supposed to be? I, See, I, I almost didn't think if she – her mind was trapped between 1964 or 54 and 2017, and I didn't know if that was the reason why she had that happen. Like she – her mind suddenly flashed back to the past and then you know she caught back up no, type it of was, thing? It was definitely not a bridge under construction. It was a destroyed bridge. Okay. Like that, All was, right. that was a rubble and broken br- ground and broken beams and stuff like that. Well, at the very least – we know season two has some good stories. Yes. We got to figure out what's going on with Gia. Obviously, you know, uh, Rittenhouse has the mothership, so there's still, there's still that issue mm-hmm. to be, and, do- to be dealt with. And the fact that her mother was so calm about the Rittenhouse thing, like they said that they'd arrested like 200 Rittenhouse, but her mother wasn't like, you know, oh, we've got to go into hiding. She was very, like confident that Rittenhouse would not allow this kind of thing, which leads me to believe that all the work that they've been doing to arrest these people means nothing. Yeah. Like okay. Rittenhouse all is right. not worried at all about it. They're like, so what? Like the fact that she just came right out and told her and she's like, Oh honey, I'm Rittenhouse. Nothing's going to hurt me. All right. Fair enough. I guess fair enough. I still like this show. I, I hope it. we get a second season of it. I really hope we get a second season of it. Me too. For those that listened last week's episode, I kept talking about how there was another show this week that had a double episode finale, and I couldn't remember what it was, couldn't remember what it was. I finally remember what it was. It was The Curse of Oak Island. That's something my wife and I watch every week, and... I think it's been four seasons now, and essentially at the end of four seasons, at, at the at every episode they do different stuff with no result. Basically, is what it comes <laughs> down to. I mean, it is the biggest giant tease in the world because even like the big hope, like it finally pays off. And I'm at the end of the episode, I went, "What paid off?" <laughs> I mean, they seemed very happy with what they did and how the season went and on and on and on. But still, it's not like they found millions of dollars yet or even a dollar. Uh, whatever. Now, I still enjoy the show, but that was the double episode. The, the show is called The Curse of Oak Island, right? Yeah. See, I don't watch the show. I, I hear a lot of people watch it. A lot of people like it. But I, I got to ask this. So 
So it's an island. Yes. Okay. So in four seasons, they ain't found shit. <laughs> Correct. Okay. And, and it's an dig- island. But they're digging. <laughs> so so it's not like they're... this is the Sahara or the yes, Grand Canyon. Yes, there's a finite amount of surface space. <laughs> However, they're digging holes, and this shit is supposed to be buried deep underground. Okay. And they don't know where it is at this point. Um, essentially, there's all these different theories that some giant valuable treasure was buried there. It could have yep. been the Knights Templar that buried it. could have been Spanish, pirates, the British. I mean, they're still trying to determine that. Either way, I think it was like back in 1795, some kids found what's called the money pit where they dug down and they started finding stuff. And every 10 feet, they'd find like these wooden slats, these wooden oak whatever, going across the hole, and they'd pull those up and dig down 10 more feet and find more and on and on and on. And then they think they – and then they set off a booby trap, and it, it flooded the tunnel, flooded the hole, okay? So moving forward since then, so many people have tried to find this treasure on the island. And these guys are basically – it's on the History Channel for a good reason because there's a lot of history that they're uncovering and discovering, like even that, like you know President Roosevelt – you know, he thought those treasure on the island and, and did an expedition out there. And all these people have spent their lives trying to, like, you know, digging in different spots, trying to find this island, on and finally trying to find this treasure on and on and on. And, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting and it is fascinating. But you just want them to find something so there's a payoff for you, the viewer, and for them. Okay, so, so first off, it sounds like they should hire the Goonies. Because this sounds suspiciously <laughs> like the the caves of One-Eyed Willie's treasure. Sure, sure. With the booby traps and the drowning of the treasure. And secondly, I'm pretty sure that they've found treasure by now. Or at least they've found something that seems to keep millions of people coming back and bringing in money to their coffers. So yep. apparently there was wealth to be had. It just was yes. in the uh, televising yes. of said digging. It was, it was televising of said uh, treasure hunting, yes. Yep. So, but it's, it is, it is kind of fascinating. And the brothers, the Gina brothers, uh, who are doing this expedition, they're the primary people. They have partners as well. But, uh, you know, they have a, a big respect for the island, for the people that was there before them, for the people that searched before them. And that's, that's pretty cool in itself. But these guys now own 80% of the island, you know, so, um, and they've been at it for at least four years, huh? Apparently, according to this episode, they started this 10 years ago. They first went out there. 10 years. Yeah, but they haven't really done any, like, this year was the first giant, like, serious digging that they did. I mean, they've, it's been mostly like, I think once they got the TV show, it it enabled them to spend more time out there, work, you know, on, on the island. And as the time has gone on with the TV show, obviously they're making money off the TV show, so it enables them to stay out the island longer and dedicate more time to it. But, yeah. So I'm trying to think of this. So they're, they were digging for about six years and then got a TV show because they'd been digging for six years. And now they're digging around the, the TV viewing schedule? Yes. No, they they film all summer. And then they edit the episodes and air them in the winter. And then they ah, film in the summer again, air in the winter. So. I see. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyhow, I just think because of the TV money, it enables them to de- dedicate more time to be on the island than it oh, is no being doubt. back home in their real jobs. That, that's what I mean. Dude, I that. would too. You know, yeah. if I was digging out there for a hobby and then somebody was like, we'll pay you to dig out there, I'm yeah. going to dig out there. Hell yeah. So anyway, so that was it. It was, it was, gotcha. it was, uh, Oak Island. So. All right. Anyhow, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember what Supergirl was this week. Cause I know I watched it, but I apparently don't have any notes. <laughs> why wouldn't you take notes on it? I don't remember. I don't know why. Was it that like terrible? Do you think? Dude, I can't even remember what it was about. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I'm a little disappointed in you right now. I'm serious. Like I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it. all I can think of is I remember two weeks ago, Lena Luther. That episode, I remember talking about. This was one of my favorite episodes of the entire season. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. This was one of the best interpretations I have seen to date of Mr. Mixix Pitalik. I I will agree with you, actually. Yes. I was a little bit worried at first because, you know, I saw him in the end of the last episode where he was like, you know, Cara Danvers, marry me. And I'm like, oh, come on. And not only was his portrayal one of the best, but I loved the fact that, remember, we had talked last week and we were like, how how are they going to figure this out? Are they going to have to bring Superman in? But I had forgotten that, like, they work for the DEO, John, uh, uh, John Jones is obviously a Martian. He's had experience with fifth dimensional beings. You know, Daxon had fifth dimensional beings because they like to party. So obviously there was a lot of information on this guy. Yes. Uh, abounding. Yeah. And yes. I loved his playfulness. I loved the stuff that he did, but I also loved the way that Kara dealt with him. Like, if this had been an episode of Arrow, it would have been all brooding and mean and, you know, how are we going to get rid of this guy? And she's just like, Mixie, why don't you get over here, all right? You're annoying me. Yes, I loved how she gave him a nickname. Yep. Like, I don't know why, but I do. I love how she gave him a nickname. Like, it wasn't belittling. It was just like, I'm going to deal with this guy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fun. I I thought the whole episode was fun. It did a great job of showing off his... um his fifth dimensional powers. You know, we had talked about it on the last episode, how, you know, these creatures from the fifth dimension can alter reality and do whatever they want. And he had fun doing that. He certainly did, (laughs) you know, just sending him away in his underwear to the DEO, just like snapping his fingers and, you know, you're gone. He doesn't. uh, And I loved his rules too. What were his rules? He's like, you know, Oh, I can't make you fall in love with me and I can't make you kill yourself. And I can't make you drink orange juice, anything else, but for some reason, not orange juice. (laughs) Yeah. I like the orange (laughs) juice thing. Yes. Yep. Um, but it was a genuinely good episode in that respect. However, like everything was good. The battles were good when he showed up dressed like Superman, but he had the big M on his chest. Yes. Um, even the uh the way that she tricked him, you know, into typing the abort code into the computer, but the symbols that he used were his name backwards, so it banished him back to the fifth dimension. That was great. What I didn't like Okay was first off the um I thought it was actually pretty good when she was fighting with uh I can't even think of his name. I want to say Wynn, but Wynn's the, the nerdy guy. Um Monel. When she was yep. fighting with Monel and basically saying, you know, dude, back off. I can handle this. I don't need you to be riding to my rescue and fighting this guy for me. It was, it was good that way because she wasn't calling him a dick or anything, but she was definitely standing up for herself and saying, no, get lost, you know, step yep. down. Um, 
I really like the relationship developing between Wynn and the alien girl because it felt genuine. It felt natural to see, you know, he's a little bit awkward at first because she's an alien and she definitely looks different, but she looks human enough that he's like, hey, why not? And she was a very aggressive species, but... Uh, yes, she was. <laughs> but she was willing to, you know, get together with Wynn and such, and it, it was a good, fun, natural kind of thing. The thing that I hated was the forced bullshit, um, I hate Valentine's Day, I love Valentine's Day thing between Alex and her girlfriend. Yes. On so many yep. levels. Yep. Because first off, you know, her girlfriend's over-the-top reason for hating Valentine's Day because she was 13 years old and discovered she liked her friend who was a girl and slipped her Valentine in her locker. And then the girl gave it to her parents and her parents told, you know, Maggie's parents. And then Maggie's parents, like, flipped out on her. And so suddenly, you know, she was in trouble for this stuff. And I've hated Valentine's Day since then. Grow up. Get over yourself. Um, that was when you were 13. So that was just comically yep. ridiculous. It was a dumb reason. Yep. Yep. And then <laughs> the lesson that we get out of it is Kara saying to Maggie, you know what? Alex loves Valentine's Day. First off, why? Alex already said when she was coming out that she has never had a good relationship. She's never felt comfortable in a relationship. So why does she care about Valentine's Day so much? That seems wrong to me. Secondly... Yep. Kara tells her, you know, she really likes Valentine's Day, so maybe you should change to like it for her. And so she did immediately. Yeah. One yeah. of the most unhealthy things that you can do in a relationship. Is not be yourself. Exactly. And it's one no. thing to say, you know, look, I'll try to like this more for you, but to say, this is who I am. But you know what? I'll be somebody completely different because you want me to be someone completely different is bad. Yep. They started this off so strong. I have praised them from the beginning for their handling of her coming out and, you know, handling the, uh, the gay relationship and they did a really good job. This was a big step backwards to me. Yeah. This was not a good job. I agree with you. Yeah. They, they really made it very stereotypical and stupid stereotypical. You know, they had to have that one person who hates Valentine's Day. Well, grow up. You know, I, I don't care if you hate Valentine's Day. That's fine. Don't write it into a show and make it so ridiculous that we're all just groaning and saying this is stupid. Yep. So. Nope, I agree. Otherwise, though, this episode was wonderful. I cannot wait to see more of Mixix Pitalik in the future. Oh, you, you think they'll what? bring him back? Oh, yeah. They have to. Um. You know what else is great about this episode is I don't remember seeing Jimmy Olsen at all. Yeah, that was kind of nice. <laughs> it was nice to have a break from him. I don't like him as the Guardian. I just don't like the whole business. I don't like anything about it. Yeah. I hate it. Uh, little side note here. I had this um, told to me from uh, one of the girls that my sister works with. Apparently, the actor who played Mixix Pitalik, before this, he was uh, the genie. Of the lamp in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, the spinoff of Once Upon a Time that didn't last very long at all. It centered around the genie being trapped and, you know, people trying to use his power. Well, he was the genie of the lamp. So, in this episode, when he first appears to Kara and starts singing to her, I will show you the world, it was kind of a play on that. 
Okay, that's interesting. Yep. I, I thought that was rather amusing once I understood it. Nice. Yeah. I like when they do little uh, little jabs and nods. I do as well. So, okay. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. had another one of their famous, uh, we're going to do four or five episodes worth of television in one episode. <laughs> no kidding. Episodes. Um, wow. And they, they've done this a lot. Gotham, yep. Gotham does this too, actually. Yep. Um, they take a really good story and say, now let's get it into 42 minutes. Pretty much, yeah. Like last week they revealed, oh, there's four LMDs on the base, and yep. we assumed who it was. Because remember we even talked about – like we assumed it was uh, Daisy, uh, Coulson. Um, Mac. Mac and uh, – the director. I can't think of names. I'm terrible. Yeah. Mace. Anyways, uh, but we argued, well, how can it be Quake? How can they simulate her her abilities? And then you're like, how can they find her boob size? How can mm. they find everything about them? And I agree with you on that. And it got even more absurd in this episode when we find out it wasn't Daisy. Yep. It was Fitz. Yep. And it was even more absurd when we saw the Daisy army downstairs. Yep. Like they had that many Daisy LMDs, like that's in the base. Yeah, in the base. Yeah, yeah. And Ada, basically, you know, she's like, "Oh well, there wasn't enough time, so all four of these LMDs know who they are, have accepted, and they know what's going on." Yep. And they don't care. And then as soon as they revealed that to May, I'm like, "But May is disgusted with being an LMD, right? She's going to be their downfall." Yep. I. Call that immediately at the beginning of the episode, and sure as shit, she was. Yep. Um. So anyhow, real quick, Ada kills Doctor Radcliffe because she's determined her job is to keep the framework running, right? And she feels that his guilt and his indecisions will cause him to someday tell her to shut down the framework, which goes against her programming, right? Because her programming is to keep the framework up and running, and he is yeah. a threat now, or will be someday. Yeah, and he's like, oh, no, I love the framework because it's great. I would never tell you to close it down because, you know, when people – even if people die, they are still alive in the framework, and that's okay. That's fantastic. Oh, I'm glad you feel that way. I'm going to now murder you and put you in the framework. Yeah, I love their commitment to calling it the uh, framework instead of the matrix. Yes, yes. We all know what it is. It's the matrix. Um, But anyhow, so essentially – Gemma and Daisy managed to defeat everybody. Yep. Uh, convince the others that see we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. Um, you know, uh, we're gonna, we, we've talked fake May into helping us. Yep. And, um, I thought that was one powerful thing she said when she's talking to fake Coulson and she's got the bomb and she says, you're not afraid to die. I am, and that's what makes us different. Yep. Um, but yeah, and then blew them all up. And then Gemma and Daisy's big plan is to save the others by putting themselves in the framework. And you're going to have to explain this to me. How is that going to save them? <laughs> well, I feel like I missed a lot in that explanation. Okay. So – I'm going to take a step back before we get into that and say that, that they definitely um, 
heard my concerns. I don't know if they listened to the podcast or probably not because this was shot a while ago, but they basically knew people were going to have the same concerns that I had. And, uh, they wrapped that up rather succinctly with, uh, with Fitz and Simmons talking in the beginning before she realized that Fitz was one of the LMDs and saying things like, you know, Oh, and, uh, they captured May and that's how they were able to make an absolute replica of her. And then when they put the fake May in here, she must've taken digital scans of us using her computer brain and the files that we had here at the base. So she could have gotten all the measurements and the exact specifications of everybody that they wanted to make an LMD out of. I have expected them to turn to the camera Austin Powers style and be like, you know, and this answers your question. Because <laughs> they just laid it all out, and I'm like, yep, thanks, guys. It's kind of like the quick explanation on Arrow when they flew to Russia using yes. our city's jet, and they're, as they're power walking through the airport, it's a good thing Russia, this has our sister city, yeah, as of four hours ago. You know, like. <laughs> yep. So I, I had to laugh at that, but at least they, they did it. You know, at least they weren't like most shows and they said, we're going to explain that because it is ridiculous to think of. Even if it's a loose interpretation, I can still get behind it because they took the time to put it in there and it makes some sense. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, you and I have been to cons before where we've seen booths where you can get a 3D scan of yourself turned into a uh, action, action figure. figure. Yeah. For so, $75, basically, yeah. you can get an action figure, a statue figure yep. of, of yourself. I mean, that, that's, that's impressive. Yep. But I definitely uh, appreciated that. I less appreciated, like you said, you know, they kind of wrapped it up too fast. Basically, they decided, hey, let's gas the whole place because the LMDs don't need to breathe. So we'll knock everybody out. You okay? I stood up and I stepped on my uh <laughs> I was just going to ask if you tried just, to walk just away. I my headset off my face. Yeah. Nice. Um, but, yeah, so they uh, – they, gas the place because the LMDs don't need to breathe. And so whoever's still walking, those are obviously LMDs and the rest of the agents will be knocked out and not have to worry about them. Brilliant plan. Yep. Yep. But then they wake up like three of them and say, look, we're not LMDs. Look, we're not LMDs. And the, uh, the people are like, okay, we believe you. And then she's like, okay, go around and anybody who's sleeping, drag them over to the Zephyr. And, this is how they kind of did the shortcut way around. We're going to blow up the whole base, but don't worry. No shield agents will be hurt because we're going to drag their unconscious bodies to the Zephyr. That would have taken forever. You've seen the size of that place. It, it would have taken much longer than depicted on the show, yes. Yeah. But they, they got a little fast and loose with the timeline there. Yep. 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 And kind of like what you said about May, you know, being afraid to die. I liked the commitment that Fitz's LMD double there, uh, gave when he was, when she was like, you know, you're the LMD, cut your wrists. And he's like, I don't want to, you know, he really poured on the waterworks and yeah, made it, it seem good. like this was the most tragic thing he could do and then clocked her. Yeah. Um, here's it, my, here, hold on real quick. Yep. Um, how did they get to the Zephyr? How'd they get past May to get to the Zephyr? 
Uh, she let them through because remember she was sitting there on the barrel. No, no, no. Bombs Everybody else like is already on oh, the Zephyr. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, I think that that's fast and loose. With yeah, you know, we're just taking all these unconscious bodies. That's all right. I'm waiting for the main characters of this story. I'm waiting for the main actors yes. to come in <laughs> the and then we'll have the actors. discussion. <laughs> Not yeah, these why, special why guest stars. Yeah, um, exactly. Yep, that's a good point. Uh, I felt like if they had stretched this out to a couple of episodes, two, maybe three, and really done it justice, it had a very, like, it had the potential to be a very, um, the thing or invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing. Like, I was getting all ramped up to be nervous about that. Like, who's really an LMD and who's really yeah. human? And, and then it just was done. Now, as far as the, uh, the framework goes. Hold on real quick. I wonder why they don't drag it out. I wonder why they just, you know, cause they could save some of these other storylines, like for another season or something mm-hmm. like that. So I wonder I, why they don't drag it out more. I don't know. Huh. I, I really Anyways. Don't. Okay. So as far as I could tell with the framework, basically the people that have been put into the framework against their will don't know that they're in the framework. They don't realize that they're in a simulation. And like they said, it's, it's just, you know, a degree off normal so that it feels comfortable and, and good to them. You know, they give them just a little bit of good so that it feels like, oh, I really want to be here without questioning. Wait a minute. Why is this happening? These two are going to go into the framework with the knowledge that they're going in and that everything is wrong. Mm-hmm. So when they wake up in there, they're going to go around and try to wake everybody else up and say, you need to wake up. You're... Remember how May, when they first tried putting her into the first version of the framework, kept waking herself up? You know, she tried to yes. escape and Ada threw because her down. It, it, yeah, because it didn't feel right to her. Right. So she could wake herself up. So I think that's what they're trying to do is get in there, shake things up and say, you know, this isn't real. Get out. Like, And some of those things were really – interesting to see. Again, it's the type of thing that I think they're only going to do one episode and wrap it all up, and I'd really like to see this whole framework play out. Like, you know, for one thing, Ward is back. We didn't get I was about to, to say, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, we didn't get to see him because they obviously didn't bring the actor in just for that cameo at the end, but they should have. But, you know... Um, no, they, didn't you see that thing? Well, yeah, I saw him in the photo, but I didn't see her. Like, no, no, I, no. Okay, online there was a teaser that I saw on Facebook. Okay, and it shows someone sitting there reading a script, mm-hmm. and then it drops down and it's Ward. It's got the title of the episode. And right, he right, kind right. of smirks and stands up and walks away, and then it zooms in on his chair and it says "bread" on it. So he is coming back. The actor yes. playing Ward is going to be back. Yes, but they didn't want to pay him his salary to show oh, up oh, for oh, two oh, seconds oh. at the end of this episode. Kind of like Palmer in this week's episode of. Lethal weapon. Yes. Yes. Anyways, sorry. Exactly yes. the same. So yes. yes. So we see his picture there holding Daisy, you know. They were like, Oh, get your boyfriend up. We've been called in. And she's like, oh, Is it Lincoln? No, it's Ward. And she seems happy about that. You know, you've got Colson who's teaching, but he's teaching about why we uh want to help the inhumans kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Max got the little house that his brother was in, you know, out in the city and seems to be very happy picking up the newspaper. And Melinda May is in the Triskelion, except for it has the giant Hydra logo on it. I don't see why that would be comfortable for her. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, don't forget that Simmons is dead. What? In the framework, 
Simmons is dead. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and the framework she, is zooms in on her grave. Yes, and they're supposed to be jacking into their bodies there. Yeah, so, she's going to wake up in a grave. Yeah. And a rotted body. Maybe. That could have been a red herring because we didn't see know. her in the grave. So it could have been that they faked True. her death kind of thing. True. But basically in the framework, you know, uh, Daisy's in a relationship with Ward. Simmons is dead. Fitz is rich. Yep. And Colson's an anti-inhuman teacher. Was it anti-inhuman or was it pro-inhuman? Oh, no. He was anti-inhuman. Absolutely. And uh, Max, kid's alive. And May works for Hydra. Yep. And who and and um, yeah. And then I'm looking at this here online on on the Wikipedia entry, and apparently the next they're on hiatus until April fourth. Yes. And the next section of the series is called Agents of Hydra. Interesting. And the episode sixteen is called What If. Uh, oh, that's a good play on the old isn't Marvel it, comics. Dude, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you have LMD, what you had, like, yeah, you had Ghost Rider and then LMD and now Agents of Hydra. You know, this is really weird. Like, I've never, I can't recall a show doing this before where they have such, you know, now three distinctive storylines that they've actually got a subtitle for all of them. Right. This this really feels like a comic book. It does. You know, it really feels like a comic book where you get like, you know, six to eight issues or four to eight issues, whatever it is, of this story, and then now we're on to this story, and now we're on to this sub story. Yep. So it's I think I got it. I feel like this is my favorite season of Shield to date. It really, it's grown better every season. Honestly, yeah. I can say that. Um, yeah. And you're right; it is my favorite as well so far. It does feel more like a comic. You know, it's got great characters. It's got development. It's got banter. It's got intrigue. It's got mysteries. It's got death. You yeah. know, there's legitimate killing in this. It, sometimes it's main characters. Sometimes it's just henchmen. But you yeah. know, there is death and blood and killing, and I like it. I do too. I just wish that they would get off their snob horses and stop fretting the rules and find a way to let their TV world cross into the movies a little bit more. There's no reason that the Avengers shouldn't know that Coulson is alive. Yes, they really need to find that out. Like, I, I really, I, with everything that's start- happened with Shield. When you go back and watch the old ep- the old movies and Coulson's in them, it's like they need to know. Like when they do yeah. Infinity Wars, they have to bring the Agents of Shield into Infinity Wars. If they don't, then it's ridiculous. I they said there's like- going to be seventy two different characters in there. I mean, yeah. how do they not bring the Agents of Shield and the Inhumans in at that point? Right. Yeah, they need to. Yeah, agreed. And then the only other thing that neither one of us touched on, which I just got reminded of. From looking, reading the season issue is that, um, Ivanovov Ada severed his head. <laughs> yeah. And from his crippled body, and then he built an android body for his mind to control. Yeah. So basically, he still exists as a head, remotely controlling an, an LMD that looks just like himself. Yes. Because yeah. he didn't want to be a robot. She's like, well, technically, you're not. No, he doesn't have to worry about going to the bathroom ever again. <sighs> At least that's my assumption. Right. 
<laughs> Ada's really becoming the uh, primary villain of this season. Uh, she absolutely has turned into the primary villain of this season. And she keeps touching her necklace, and she mentioned in this episode about how she wants to learn how to feel. I think that this is like uh, almost like an Ultron thing, which is what they worried about in the first place. But, you know, the artificial intelligence who wants to become more human, but then more so. Hey, they talked about it previously. Mac, everyone, haven't you ever seen a, a movie like a Terminator? You know what I mean? They all made comments <laughs> yep. of that, you know, computers taking over. You don't give them, you know, you don't do this because computers will take over. So, yep. and it's, it's what's happened. So, yep. Uh, also on Tuesday nights, we have Flash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was very excited about Grodd coming in. Me too. And was very disappointed by this episode. Me too. I mean, essentially, this episode was nothing but build leading into the next episode. Not only that, but this episode was filled with seriously moments. You know, seriously, they all showed up and you don't see anybody in the jungles, but suddenly they're all getting hit by darts that knock them out. Yeah. Seriously, they're going to believe that they brought Harrison Wells in just to be a puppet for Grodd, but only sometimes because, you know, he would talk through Wells and, and Tom Cavanaugh got to try to do his best Grodd impression, which was terrible. And it was bad. And then he would just pass out so that Grodd could walk in the room and continue talking telepathically to all of them. Why didn't he just talk, talk telepathically to begin with? Yeah. And then, seriously, they're going to believe that Grodd has good intentions to not attack Central City, and it must be this other guy, Solovar, who wants to march through a dimensional rift and attack Central City? Seriously? Yeah, it was was dumb. He's like, I need you to defeat him. And Flash is like, I'm not going to kill somebody. You need to defeat him. Okay. I'll fight this guy that I have no idea who he is or what he's about. Did you think it was kind of weak? So, okay, so he fights Solovar, and he defeats Barry. Fights Solovar, he defeats him, defeats him, but he doesn't kill him. Right. And because he defeated Solovar, now the apes are afraid of the humans, and they want to attack the humans now. Yeah. Previously, they didn't. And but, by the way, Solovar's voice with Keith David, which was awesome. Yeah, but they they also believe that oh, Solovar got defeated. Well, then we need to follow Grodd. You know, the guy from right. another planet that we never knew about until a couple months ago. Right. Um, and then, okay, so the solution is they're going to kill Cisco, but Caitlin's the only one that can do it. <laughs> right. Because- so Grodd can't open a portal because, you know, no one else can can kill Cisco besides Caitlin. Right. It, humanely, I guess. Yeah. Um, but instead, she freezes Barry. Yeah. The, Ooh, the conveniently old- enough, Rod's like, well, you're dead. You don't need to be in a cage anymore. I'll just throw you over here. There. Wasn't that terrible? It, it was that literally was the old brain teaser of the prisoner who needs to get out of the prison cell, so he fakes being sick. Oh, I've yep. got a stomach ache, and they open up the yep. door, and he charges out. It, it was yep. terrible. It was dumb. Yeah, like, it was dumb. Like, he opened up the door, tested his neck, said, oh, he's dead. And then, like you said, dragged him out and threw him over on a pile of hay. Why? Yeah. Um, and then on Earth One, while this is happening, yes. over on Earth One, we oh. have uh, Jesse Quick and Kid Flash uh, with dealing with their romantic entanglements. Um, 
you know, when Wally first was getting some adoration from the public for doing good, you know, and he's like, oh, thank you, thank you. It was kind of like, all right, it's all new to him. But he's still like, oh, gosh, thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, he's I, still it, a cocky prick. Yeah, it's old. It's yep. old. And then Jesse, like, well, I didn't think you'd want to be with me now that you've got speed. Yeah, because you love what? being the center of attention. What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, because he's addicted to being a hero. Right. And so he, he loves that more than her. And you know yeah. what's uh, what's funny is that since she left, since her and her dad left at the end of the last season, yeah. Wally hasn't cared about her. He hasn't been mentioning her. She's like, oh, we stopped communicating. When were they communicating? He's been hitting on every girl that he can get his hands on. Yep. And now suddenly it's like, no, I only love you, and I've wanted you, and I need you. Really? Because yep. I got the opposite impression. Yep, I got the awesome, awesome. <laughs> I got the awesome, awesome. I can't say it. Opposite, opposite impression as well. Yeah, yeah. I got that impression as well. Words are hard. They can be. But yeah, so the two of them are like foiling bank robbers and stuff like that, and. See, I kept waiting for it to turn out to be a trap. That I thought that's why Jesse was acting all awkward and weird. Like, the whole thing was a trap to lure Flash over there because, you know, Grodd was going to kill her father unless she sent Flash over. I, I was waiting for that to be the twist. But no, it was just that she was like, nah, you're, you're fast, so you don't want to love me now. Yep. It was annoying. You know, the two of them together, though, I'm just going to say it. Speaking of, you know, now that you have speed, you don't want to love me anymore. They would give new meaning to the term quickie. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, you blink and you miss it. Uh, all I can think of now is, never mind, that <laughs> stupid old joke. Where oh, yeah. Like, flying through the air and they see one woman sunbathing naked and he's like, I'm going to get down there and... Yep. And the visible man's like, did you hear, you know, did you feel that? And the visible man's like, no, but my ass hurts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. Yep. That being said. Yeah. So, yeah, Flash was, and for a two-part episode, like, if I didn't know that it was a two-part episode, I would have thought this was a standalone episode with a Flash scene at the end that kind of pre -cludes. That's exactly what I told Rude. He's like, oh, I'm not going to watch this week because it's a two-part episode. I'm like, I'm going to watch it anyways. And I did. And I was like, hey, don't worry. You're fine. Yeah. It's basically totally watch. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a standalone episode. It's, it's not like it's a cliffhanger, you know, or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't know. You Anyways. get a little flash at the end that's like, you know, oh, we're going to march on the city and look at all of the gorillas. And Well, yeah, because Grodd has uh, somehow gotten gypsy by his side and she's brainwashed. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, oh, and don't forget, Julian asked Caitlin out on a date. <sighs> In one of the dumbest, most awkward, most forced, you know, I'm coming along with you. Yeah. It, it was ridiculous. Yep, it was. It was. Uh, let's continue the superhero theme, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Wait. Um, did, did you want to continue the superhero theme, or did you want to talk about Legends of fucking Tomorrow? We can just skip over it for all I care, oh, no, to be honest. No, 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 no. no. All right. We're going to give Camelot its due. Uh, the, the, the thing is, I don't know how much it's even worth talking about. Well, here's the bottom line. They brought back the JSA 
because, you know, they introduced them in the beginning of this season. We were like, oh, the GSA. And then they unceremoniously dumped them all. Yep. A- except for, you know, um, uh, whatever her name is. They're Vixen. You know, this version of Vixen, not the other version of Vixen. Um, so they dumped them all. But now it turns out that what really happened was Rip recruited them three of them and sent them off to different time periods with a piece of the spear each because you know something like the spear of destiny instead of disintegrating it into molecules they broke it into four pieces and he sent each of them off into their own time period to hold a piece of it and and one of them gets messed up right in the beginning like rip just shows up in the year 3000 because the episode was called 3000 slash camelot and i was like okay you know 3000 was like two seconds long he shows up the guy's like hey rip what's going on and he's like, I need the piece of the spear. And he goes, you know, I can't do that. Well, I'm going to take it. And he's like, you'll never get the info out of me. And then he got the info out of him. Pretty quickly, actually. Yeah. And, and then we end up back in Camelot. And, uh, you know, Steel is all bent out of shape because he's like, Camelot didn't exist. It's not historically accurate. It was just a made-up fairy tale. And then they show up there and it's there. And he's like, this should not exist. It's not supposed to exist. Why does this exist? And it turns out that another JSA member, Stargirl, is posing as Merlin, and she used her piece of the spear as the tip of the sword that would become Excalibur and use the magic of the spear that can alter reality to create Camelot around her because, you know, she wanted to be more comfortable, I guess. She, I, I think she said something about, you know, blah, blah, stupid, blah, 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 dumb reason, blah, blah. Needed hope for the universe or something? I don't know. <sighs> then we have Damien Dark in Black Knight armor. You know, the only member of the uh, Legion of Doom that they can afford to pay the salary of this week. Because <laughs> Merlin was nowhere to be seen. Neither was Reverse Flash. And you know what? You know what else? They promised us Captain Cold was going to be a member of the Legion of Doom. Where's he? There's still time. Uh, All the episodes nice haven't aired yet. <laughs> so yeah, then uh, while he was in 3000, Rip got a prototype device from the member of the JSA, and the guy said, oh yeah, if this works someday, then we could use it to like get rid of all war and all anger and all aggression. Oh, okay. What that means is that Rip is now going to be able to finish that technology, uh, perfect the art of mind control, and manufacture enough of them to outfit the entire army of Camelot with them. So he he can now just think a thought and they all do exactly what he wants. This was so um, ridiculous. I wanted to put yeah. a drill to my head and drive out the part of my brain that has logical thinking just so that I could try to enjoy the episode. Yeah, it was weak sauce. I mean, I don't know what else to say besides that, sir. No, th- weak sauce would be weak. This was water. Like, this wasn't even weak sauce. This was just piss. It was terrible. And they should be ashamed of themselves for putting this trek on TV and calling it quality entertainment. And then saying that they're going to give it another season. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> It was I agree with you, so I can't. I can't. Dis- like, there's no disagreeing with you about this. Like, I completely agree. Like, I the the more this season goes on, the less and less I like the show. Yeah, yeah. They they captured Rip at the end yeah. of it, and they took him on board his ship. 
you know, the one that is programmed to obey his voice commands. And he's sitting in the jail cell and he's like, Gideon. And she's like, yes, captain. Well, of course she's going to say that because it's friggin' Rip Hunter. Yep. So now he's going to kill them all or, you know, make it look like he's going to kill them all. They'll find some way to argue with each other about stuff. Yeah. Well, they left Stargirl in, the, in Camelot because she wanted to stay there. And and don't worry, they managed to make Guinevere, you know, fancy Sarah for a little bit there. Yeah. Oh, and then and, Sarah and was Lancelot. Don't forget that. Oh, yes. Sense. Yes, because she's Sarah Lance, you know. Yeah. And let's not forget... That that Steel has his magical history book that is not at all magical, but it's magical somehow because it shows, you know, all these paintings that were done of Ray getting knighted and then Ray getting his body carried off because he's dead. Oh, but he didn't really die. So now it's changed and it shows that he's going to be King Arthur someday. I'm really, really learning to hate this show. Like, not even like, boy, this show kind of sucks. It, it It's a blast. When we sit there and we talk about how great S.H.I.E.L.D. is as a comic book show, and then we get dreck like this. Well, um, the, again, the more they the, – with each passing episode, I, I like the show less and less. But unfortunately, I'm going to stay watching it. And I say that because it's the same reason why I keep watching Arrow. Yep. Because I really like Flash and because I want to be up to date when they do the crossovers. And Supergirl. And, and Super, I really like Supergirl. And I'm looking forward to the Supergirl and Flash musical episode. Yes. And, um, by the way, they were doing a screening at a Comic-Con type of thing, and they talked to the creator of Supergirl, and they apologized – the, the creators apologized for the fact that when they did this four-way crossover this last time, that she was barely in it, meaning her episode was just a normal episode, and then we got that brief thing at the end with Barry and Cisco jumping in. Yep. Th- they said that next year they've got a four-episode arc planned out, and it will be very big and very inclusive of everyone. Well, yeah, because, like, really, like, Arrow is the biggest star in, in that crossover. Yep. Even in the Legends of Tomorrow episodes, which, okay, Arrow was the first show that led the way, but clearly, clearly Flash is far superior. Absolutely. And Carl was the most powerful being of all of them. And I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. If they're listening or if, you know, I have some kind of mind power over them, like the fact that I got them to explain the whole LMD thing, I'm saying right now, you don't bring in something stupid like Aliens. No, if they're going to do a proper four-way crossover, you do it with a team of supervillains, like a legit team of supervillains, and you let them team up like that. Like, bring in uh, some of the Supergirl's villains. Yeah, yeah. The Legion of Doom spreads out. Yep. Yep, we'll have Damien Dark at full power, you know, back in magical Damien Dark land. Reverse Flash that the Flash actually has to take on because, you know, or even add in the uh, the Black Flash there. Let him yeah. be part of it. Holy crap. What if they had to team up with the Legion of Doom to take out the Black Flash? And that's when we discover that Barry is the Black Flash in the future. And what are they going to do about that? There's a crossover. There is a four-episode crossover where the spirit of death is coming after people in this universe. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hell, bring Superman over. They've got an actor for it. Let Superman come over, too. 
I don't care. Just make it something believable, not stupid friggin' aliens. Well, I will say this, okay? Okay. And this, uh, if you look at Arrow, Arrow, the ratings, if you look at the ratings for the first season back in 2012 to 13, it started out pretty strong. Yep. Okay? And Flash got a backdoor pilot at the end of that season, didn't he? Yep. Or the, no, okay. No, he got the backdoor pilot at the end of season two. Was it? Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was the end of season two, okay? But Arrow's ratings have gone, steadily kind of gone down as a point where like, Season three, they averaged a 3.52 million viewers. Season four, 2.9. Yep. And, and now with, with season, uh, five. current season we're in, season five, you know, they're, they're averaging again, like 1.7, 1.9, you know, less, less, less and less yep. on average million viewers every week. Whereas Flash averaging 4.62. <laughs> You know, for the first season, four point two five for the second season. I mean, they're they're pulling a high rating. They're pulling a higher rating than Arrow is, and for good reason. But not even a, not like a little bit, but like tremendously big. Yeah, you know, like I mean, almost double in some weeks. Yeah. So that should be your flagship show. You know, yes. like that. That's what they should be going with is the show that people are actually watching. Well, you notice that with the way that they had it set up, it was actually so you had Supergirl on Monday, then Flash, yeah. then Arrow, then Legends of Tomorrow. And considering Supergirl is the fresh face, you really went in order of declining popularity. You had the brand yep. new one, the most popular, Arrow Legends. I mean, let's okay, yeah, exactly. But let's be honest, like Supergirl did was pulling in six million viewers as high as eight and nine million viewers when they were on CBS. Yep. You know, the pilot garnered them 12.96 million viewers on average. Mm-hmm. The second season, okay, they're doing in the high twos. They're doing, they're doing the high twos and mid threes and everything. So they're, they're doing better than Arrow. Right. But definitely not what they were doing on CBS. And you can definitely see that that's the, People don't all get the CW, apparently, you know, I guess. Uh, right. I don't know. <laughs> um, so to me, and this is in my mind, in the way I I, uh, I I like the show, and I think everyone else seems like the same way. It's Flash, it's Supergirl, and then Arrow and Legends is basically a toss-up. Yep. You know, uh, even, you know, because Legends, Legends, uh, their biggest rated episode that season, in this season so far, highest rated is Invasion, the crossover. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it. They went from like a 1.85. The next week, they jumped up to a 3.39 for the Invasion <laughs> episode. And then it dropped down to a 2 and then a 1.74. And so, you know, like Legends and Arrow, they're, I mean, Arrow's barely pulling in higher ratings than Legends is. And yet they still look at that as the flagship show. And I just. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, it is ridiculous. It is. They need to stop with the flashbacks and they need to just stop with all the brooding and angry and. (sighs) Because, you know, on this week's Arrow, we learned that Oliver is easily duped by his reporter girlfriend and is way too trusting of her. (sighs) Way too trusting of her. Uh And when she confronts him and says, are you the green arrow? And he's like, yes, I am. What? Of course not. Don't be foolish. And he's like, uh-oh. 
And then, like, Thea basically ruins her career and Oliver's mad at her for it. Dude, she had everything on you. Yeah. She was going to expose you. Yeah. I mean, like... Thea did exactly was- what she should have done. Yeah, no, all no. Thea did exactly what she should have done, so that way she can be off the show for a while, so they can save on the budget. Yeah, and not only that, but okay. So when when Oliver is talking to the lieutenant about the Green Arrow and the death of the officer, he calls Green Arrow and his team auxiliary law enforcement officers. <laughs> yeah, when did vigilantes become auxiliary law enforcement officers? They've never yeah. been sworn in. They follow no rules. Yeah. They're, they're accountable to nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I would have had a big problem with that had I been the uh, gentleman behind the Me desk. Too. I just had a big problem with this episode, period. Yeah. And it ends, it, ends with, it ends with, oh, um, is the mayor's office covering up the murder of an officer? And then he's like, it looks like my administration may be over. Good. I hope it is. Yeah. Like, I just honestly, you could cancel the show for all I care at this point. As yep. long as Flash and Supergirl are on, they can cancel Arrow. Let Arrow go on Legends. Yeah, how's that? Yeah, let Arrow go on Legends. Keep that show around for you know. But it's just Arrow was so good, and now it's so bad. It really is because again, when they started, the flashbacks were unique. <laughs> It was yep. great to watch these flashbacks and see where he came from. And then about season two, it was like, what are they doing with these flashbacks? Why is he suddenly getting off the island? Why have we introduced Sarah to the flashbacks? Why is she suddenly there on the island with him? What is going on here? This is ridiculous. It was stupid. Now you've got episodes like this where they literally had to bring in three villains. And they're this is the point. You know, Arrow's villain started with Slade Wilson. Okay, Deathstroke. Deathstroke is such a great character that he's actually going to be Batman's main nemesis in the standalone Batman movie. And this is who Arrow was fighting. Now we've gotten to the point where these three showed up and I'm like, who are these people? I wouldn't have even recognized them except for the fact that Cupid got her arrows and her bow and and strapped them on. I'm like, oh, that's right. She was that stupid, love-obsessed Archer lady who wanted to kill Green Arrow or love him or whatever. Yeah, I, I didn't know who she was either. And, and I didn't know who the black lady was. I, I only knew that Kelly Hugh was on there because I recognized her and I was like, wasn't she like some triad woman or something? You know, and they kept saying China White. And I'm like, boy, that seems like a dumb name for somebody like that. You know, that, that's like a little on the nose. You know, she's an Asian lady and she has white hair. So they're like China White. Wow, just call her Japan white, you know? What, let's be <laughs> racist here. Yeah. So, and I didn't know who the, the black woman was, but Diggle seemed to know her. Um, no, uh, not, well, yeah, Diggle seemed to know her, but more so Lance did. Oh, yeah, 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 she that's right. Police officer. Yeah. And she tried to take the law in her own hands, and Lance talked her out of breaking the law more. I don't know. It was stupid. Let's just say it was fucking stupid and move on. It was. Hold on. Their their whole reason for breaking out of jail was so that they could go trap down Tobias Church's rainy day fund that he put in a grave in, in the graveyard because, you know, they suddenly discovered what nobody else on the outside of prison had. And just to remind us, hey, remember Tobias Church was a big thing in the beginning of this season, but, you know, we got rid of him pretty quickly because stupid. Yep. Yeah. Dumb. <sighs> Dumb. Yep. 
Yeah. We love our shows. <laughs> when we love them. When we love them. Uh, this is us. Let's talk about this is us. Yeah, this was a very, um, this was a William and Randall only episode. Yeah. Where they go down to Memphis because apparently, okay, so I don't know where William was originally born. I just know that he left his mom. His, his dad died in war. Yep. Okay. And it was just him and his mom. Because the flashbacks he, were his this time. Yes. They moved to Memphis. In Memphis, we, uh, we, he did that is he, he went to work for his cousin or he was working with his cousin being a musician, playing the piano, playing at a blues bars, having a great time. His mom got sick. So he goes home to take care of his mother who has cancer and she is now living in Pittsburgh for some reason. Nope. You got a couple of steps wrong there. They were in Memphis. That's where they were born and raised. She went to Pittsburgh to take care of her mother and it was just supposed to be a little time there where her, you know, he was like, you're going to go take care of grandma. And she's See, like, family no, always I, comes I didn't, first. I didn't get that because he was talking about, he was talking about going, uh, taking the bus and going someplace before she went off to Pittsburgh, I thought. No, 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 no. That was the whole song that he wrote about how she was standing there with her suitcase and, you know, don't worry when you get there, we'll still have this. He wrote that whole song because she went away and she was just supposed to take care of grandma for a little while. And then she kept writing oh, in the letters, see? remember, that said, uh, you know, I got stuck here and I'm, I'm trying, I took a job at the library so that I could make a little extra money to help pay for the, you know, the estate and stuff like that. And then she basically just like lived there. You know, she couldn't really get uh, away. See, I took that that he left home, went to Memphis, nope. and then, then she had to go to Pittsburgh to take care of her mother. And then so he went up to Pittsburgh. I, I didn't get that at all, that that's where he lived. No, no, no. He definitely, like, he lived oh, with no, his mother. Oh, no, he had, yes, yes, because at the end when they go find his treasure, it was in Memphis. Yeah. Okay, yep. all right. I just, all right, whatever. I got confused then. Because right, that's what it was. He was, it, it was very tragic okay. for him because he had lived with his mother. He loved his mother. And remember, she was okay. like, you know, don't let your cousin talk you into bad stuff. And So he must have just moved out of his mom's house. Well, no, he lived there until she got sick and he went up to Pittsburgh. Because he lived there and he was playing at the bar and writing songs. And, you know, they kept trying to get him to do other stuff. But yep. then, uh, when his mom got sick and he found out, he moved up to Pittsburgh to be with her and left the house. All right. So I guess the only thing I didn't catch on was the fact that they he grew up in Memphis, which obviously I should have picked up on that. But I felt like he went to Memphis to meet his cousin and then went up to Pittsburgh because that's where his mom moved to because of his grandmother, I guess. Gotcha. Whatever. Doesn't matter. We got it down. We got we've it. Said, we've said what it was. That's right. So they, they, they go. It's, it's a heartwarming, touching episode. All oh, right? God. Dude, this one yeah. ripped me apart by the end. Yeah, yeah, because William died. Because we knew he was going to, but even then, yeah. it was watching everything and watching Randall. And it was that moment when you're watching this show and you realize that could be that's going to be my parents someday. Yep. You know, you have that dawning realization that maybe it's not a parent, maybe it's a grandparent, but there's somebody in your life that's close to you. And, you know, we watch these shows where there's death all the time, but when it's like this, you know, and it's the final moments and it's in a hospital bed and they're talking about, you know, this person will never leave this room again. It makes it hard. Yes. Yeah. It yes. hit me right in the feels. Yeah, no, it was a powerful episode from when they when they took off, and uh, 
he wants them to take him to where they because they don't again they don't tell us how Jack died, but he wants to go to where Jack's ashes are spread by this tree he liked, right? Which was part and, of his ashes because Kate yeah, has the rest. Kate place. has the rest, so they sprinkled a, a part of it there. So they go there, and he basically says, "Thanks for raising my son. Thanks for doing what I couldn't do." I mean, it was really touching. Yep. And then they head out, and then they go down and. You know, shows them all around, shows them where you, when they go into the house. <laughs> and he's just like, well, my father grew up here. He just like to look around if that's okay. Then he just walks in, pulls the brick out. Kate's like, um, bullshit. They could see that they had, how did no one notice that loose brick sticking out all these years? Right. But regardless, his truck army men and three quarters are in there still. Yep. And uh, they went to the, his cousin's club, and his cousin's mad, but then they reconcile. Because mm-hmm. he gave um, him back the money that he borrowed. Yep. And All then he plays. and Well, because let's, let's back up a little bit. Because like when, when he goes up to Pittsburgh to take care of his mom, he meets Randall's birth mother. Yes. And we've already seen their story in, in a previous episode. We saw but the it sh- end of their story. Yes. It shows how she was the one that was into drugs. Yep. And she was the one that got him into drugs after his mom died. Yes, because he was a very good son all the way yep. through. Yep. He was a good guy. He took care of her. He was. He introduced her to his mom, and and you know seemed to be doing well until she really started hitting the drugs and the alcohol and was staggering into the room. And then yeah, she she kind of dragged him down that path. Which was sad, and it was tragic to think of, but it filled in that blank. You know, we knew that they had both gotten hooked at some point, but now we know a bit more about it. And it was very tragic for him to lose his mother because, like he said, you know, she was the only one that he ever knew. He never knew his dad. Exactly, because his dad died while his mom was pregnant. Yep. No, no, he was still a baby, wasn't he? When his dad Regardless, his yeah. dad, he was still a baby. He was, no, she was pregnant with him when he went off. And then she had, she had birth while he, she gave birth while he was gone, I think. Okay. It doesn't matter. He didn't know his dad. His dad died in the war. Right. What war? They weren't very precise on. Because I, I can't imagine. World War II. Was, see, I, I didn't think, that didn't make sense to me because if it was World War Two. That means he died in the mid forties, and the kids weren't born until nineteen eighty. So that means he was thirty five when mm. Randall was born, and he doesn't look like he's that old. That's why I was thinking it was probably Korea in the fifties, maybe but or Vietnam. I would gauge more towards Korea in the fifties. Well, William was an old guy. William was seventy something, so he would have been born back in the forties. Yeah, that okay. Yeah, he could be seventy-two. Yeah, because remember 45. too, he, okay, when he yeah. went to school, there was segregation of the water fountains and stuff like that. So that had to be before the sixties. So yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So World War Two is possible. Yeah, or actually makes sense. If anybody else wants to chime in on that, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> if, if we're being ridiculous, because honestly, I'm not a huge war buff. So right. Uh, anyhow, so, um, we don't see any of the other characters. We learn about how we see, you know, young Randall and Jack and how we used to comfort him and calm him down when he was having his spells. Yep. And that comes back later 
when uh, he does the same thing to comfort William before William passes. Yep. That was touching. Uh, William's telling him to put his windows down and turn the music up real loud and, yeah. and live and enjoy life. You know, uh, it was touching. It was that, some great was, advice. I was going to say that was very powerful too, you know, because it makes you kind of reassess yeah. your own life. Like what would somebody say to you on their deathbed? What would they tell yeah. you to do that you're not doing now? And can you change at this point? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It was good. It was touching. Mm. I told my wife when it started, I looked at her and I said, I'm probably going to cry by the end of this episode, just so you know. <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, me too. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yes, but it's okay if you do it. Right, right, right. <laughs> there was this time, I can't remember what we were watching. This is, we were, we were still dating or something, and, and we were on the couch, and I was kind of like, she was kind of laying down and I was kind of laying on top of her. I was, I was on her hip area basically. And we were watching something and I don't know what it was now. I cannot remember. It was a movie most likely. And like I got a little teary eyed and, uh, Kate had said to me a few minutes before, are you crying? And I said, no. And I wasn't. Few minutes later, I, I was getting a little teary eyed, and all of a sudden, at the core of my eye, I just see a finger coming at it because she somehow managed to lift her arm up and, I, and keep it in my blind spot. And then she just took her finger and dabbed it on the edge of my eye to see if she felt tears. It was hilarious. Okay, I guess she had to be there. I agree with the second part. I guess she had to be there, but it was funny. It was funny. I'll take. Shut up, it. John. <laughs> Jerk. Hey, I wasn't there. I don't know. So we already talked about Superstore. Yep. We essentially already talked about Powerless. Uh, what about Legion? Um, I watched episode two. Um, okay. I didn't see episode three on Hulu yet. Okay. But I tried to watch it uh, Friday night. I don't. I don't know if I like it or not. Okay. Episode one was enough to make me want to watch it some more. Episode two was not enough to make me want to watch it some more. How come? It just, I don't know. I just didn't, uh, okay, there is, the third episode is up there now. I, I don't know. I just didn't, I couldn't keep my attention. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have a hard time explaining. I just didn't, I just, meh. I don't know. Okay. There wasn't any one particular part that made me go, oh, that's garbage or that's bullshit or, or anything like that. It's just, you know, to me, it's like, all right, this whole episode was about David spending time exploring his memories mm -hmm. so he can try to learn to figure out what, what triggers his powers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just didn't – I thought it was too slow, I guess. Okay. What did you like about it? Because I know you said you liked it. I like the fact that we see the show as jaggedly as his brain is, apparently. You know, this is not a typical show. They don't cut away and then come back, and you know, like a Law & Order kind of thing where it cuts away to a different group of people and they're talking. You know, 
the way that these things play out, the memories, I loved seeing the memories and having that glitch there that everybody missed the first time. And then the second time they're like, wait a minute, I saw that. That was a glitch. What did we skip over there? And trying to get in there and having a hard time. Like this guy is all about the memories. He knows how to manipulate memories. He knows how to get into them, change them, et cetera. And the fact that he was having a hard time with David's memories was nice. You know, it, it, makes you think, ooh, there's something more here, you know, because they believed he's just a telepath. No, he's got much more going on than that, and that'll become even more apparent when you see the third episode, if you watch it, because, you know, I did watch the third episode, and... Well, I I am going to watch the third episode, but having given up on the show, mm-hmm. I guess... I don't know. There's just part of me that thinks, well, this is only eight episodes long. Yep. And if every episode is going to be dragging like this, it's just like, that's eight hours I'm going to be spending going. <sighs> see, I didn't see it as dragging at all. I, I felt that it clipped oh. right along. And they were moving between scenes. They were moving between the past and the present and trying to piece together, but running into the roadblocks where he didn't want to talk about what was going on or, you know, the angriest kid in the world thing, which was really, I mean, I did like the part, uh, when he's in the MRI machine and basically there, there, he's remembering something he doesn't want to remember. Yep. And he somehow forces the MRI machine, everything in the room basically did just to blink out and it's outside now. Yep. I did think that was kind of cool. I did like that aspect of it. I thought, um, I, I the okay the girl I can't think of her name and I apologize but the one that's his girlfriend yep um I you know the fact that she said that she was obsessed with finding him I didn't understand that part you explain it to me uh, basically they've known about him for a while you know this group of people kind of like the X Men type of thing they thought that this guy was registering off the charts as a telepath. And they're at war with that Division 13 or whatever it is. And they wanted to it, – it's like the old X-Men comics where, you know, Xavier would try to find a mutant before the Sentinels did or before Magneto did type of thing. Yeah. They knew about this guy and they wanted to uh, get to him before Division 13 or whatever they're called. Right, yeah. but when they brought in his girlfriend, basically she said, like, you know, I was obsessed with finding where you are, who you were, and where you were. Yep. But they made me go through this first before I could do anything. Yep. It, Why was she obsessed with that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe fandom. You know, maybe she heard about this and she was like, this person intrigues me. You know, I really want to find out where he is, what's going on. If he really is the most powerful mutant we've ever seen, if he could help us win the war, we need to get him above all else. It could have been something just like that. Not necessarily like, you know, oh, uh, I'm obsessed with him because he's so sexy. Right, right. And that's why she got herself committed to that hospital was because she wanted to get in there and get to him. Right. But why? They haven't really explained. Like I said, I could just speculate. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And in the third episode, they actually explain a bit more of her powers. Like, they don't, they're not overt about it, but she specifically says at one point, you know, she'll be like, I was a 500 pound, I've been a 500 pound man. I've been a little Chinese boy. So she talks about how essentially her power is tied to what she considers her soul. So she 
swaps souls with the other person, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I think that it's a head trip, and I'm quite a big fan of those type of things when it happens. Like, that's one of the reasons that I was so drawn to Mr. Robot, I think. It wasn't just the hacking, but it was the right. fact that the whole thing was one big head trip in the beginning, and even in the second season. Um, but yeah, I've been really enjoying it, watching his memories and how they filter through and seeing the character development that they did for this guy's past. You know, it, it was the whole scene of them trading the oven for drugs was so ridiculous, yet I found it acceptable. Oh, see, I thought that was just him. I didn't think of that. I, I didn't look at that as something that actually happened. I just assumed that was. Nope, that looks really happened because then in the third episode, they go back and look at it more and. It was legitimate. He, they gave that stove to those people so that they could get drugs. Messed up. Love it. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, lethal weapon. Uh, um, not my favorite episode. Nope. Um, as Mr. Mully once asked me, and it was proven again in this episode, it yeah. seems like it's in Damon Wayne's contract that he be allowed to wear a stupid hat at least once per episode. Yep. Because he's always wearing these wool beanies in Los yep. Angeles in the summer. Yeah. No, I just... Uh, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't great. Yeah. I, Nothing real memorable. Um what it's uh it was the most of the episode was Riggs's uh, initial remorse over sleeping with Palmer and then by the end of the episode he's sleeping with her again yeah except for like you had mentioned earlier they didn't pay the actress to come back correct correct <laughs> it was just they met at the room and you heard her voice what happened to your face yeah and she dragged him into the room yeah the thing is like this was about as stereotypical of a story as it could have been you know, the football player who's riding high and he's going to have the scholarship and then there's an accident because somebody tries to shoot him and his cousin dies and he gets injured and he'll never play again. And, you know, Roger feels for this one because he remembers playing football. And the captain has that funny little thing about how he was in the marching band and tries to convince them that they work just as hard as the football players. And it was just, it was so typical you know, who's the villain? Well, of course it's going to be the college recruiter mixed up with the bad guy, drug dealer, you know, fight fixer that they run into halfway through. There was nothing extraordinary about it. No. No, it wasn't. It was just a vanilla episode, pretty much. You know what? That's exactly, yeah. It's almost like how I don't talk about Law and Order. Yep. It wasn't terrible, but it's not worth really talking about. Yeah. I'm the only one that watches it, so oh well. Yep. Yeah, except we both watched this, and we both have really enjoyed it until this episode. Speaking, not that I hate it, but... Speaking of which, uh, it has been officially renewed for a second season. That doesn't surprise me. Me either. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's a good show. Yeah, it is. And I'm glad that there will be more antics to come. I'm sure Aaron is shaking his fist at the uh, gods oh, probably. above right now. Probably, yeah. But if he'd give it a chance, if he could get over the fact that, you know, 
these guys have the same names and they're supposed to be the same characters. Again, I've talked to multiple people since our podcast. Everybody agrees that this was the best portrayal of Leo Getz because oh, yeah. Joe Pesci uh, sucks anyway. But yep. <laughs> this, this was just a great portrayal of him. The show itself is good. It's yes. ridiculous in places, sure, yes. but it is a good, enjoyable, fun show. Uh, it's a mindless kind of show. You know, you can sit there and watch Absolutely. it and just turn your brain off and be like, this is great. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's funny. I mentioned to, uh, in one of my conversations with Mr. Mully, I mentioned to him that they got, uh, brought back for a second season. And he goes, well, it's no wonder Ford probably paid him a half a billion dollars for that product placement. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, uh, talking about a show real quick that's dying a slow death, uh, Grimm. Oh my god. So this this week's episode this week's episode was was new in that um at the beginning of the episode well okay. <laughs> you go right ahead. You you saw yeah. this one. Yeah, I know. So uh Monroe and, and and uh Rosalie find Juliet sorry, find Eve. Uh, on the floor, injured. They call for an ambulance. She's taken away. Essentially, at the beginning of last week's episode, the one where they all go to the hotel, uh, when, when Eve is at Nick's place, after the shower, she's looking in the mirror, and the mirror transforms to this weird void with this weird, like, evil-looking, glowing-eye guy or whatever. And um, she yells for Nick, and he sees it as well, and then it, it, it disappears. And so while Juliet's at Monroe Rosalie is doing some research on that um, doing some research on the upcoming uh, event based on the the stuff that Diana found. <coughs> Season um, finale. <coughs> yeah, yeah, series finale. Yeah. Um, which is entitled The End. Anyhow, um yeah, so she looks in a mirror, a small handheld mirror, and it that just thing happens appears to be sitting there. That thing appears again, and then it uh, arm comes out, grabs her by the throat. She vogues, bites it, and then collapses. And the mirror is broken. Actually, no, she breaks the mirror. The mirror goes back together, and there's a hole, and then this all happens. Yeah. So she's taken to the hospital. Well, Nick goes to the hospital. <laughs> and stays there through the whole freaking episode. And stays there for the whole episode. And he calls Eve Juliet at one point. Yeah. And he just stays there for the whole entire episode. That's it. And then there's a case that Wu and 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 I can't think of his name. Hank. Hank, thank you. There's a case that Wu and Hank solve on their own. <laughs> like, like it's just they solve this case that – and what it is is these scientists basically, they're using bodies, dead bodies that they buy from Popper's mortician – and and they're using them to try to like Frankenstein a kid back to life. Okay, can, but the can body we pause parts. For a okay. The, the the actor that they got to play the guy running the crematorium. I kept waiting for him to Vogue every time he was on the screen. He was the worst actor I think they could have possibly. It's like that scene in Wayne's World at the end of the movie when he shows up and the guy's like, uh, uh, Beaker Street. Uh, uh, yes, I knew a girl there. And he's like, is this seriously the best actor we can get for this? And then they bring yeah. in Charlton Heston instead. It was like that. I'm watching this guy and he was so yeah. stiff. It was like he won a walk on role or something or like somebody on the set owed him a favor. Like but he was he blackmailing was, one he of was, them. 
But he was so bad, he was good. He was terrible. Like, I know. Even his it was hair almost like a was train stiff. wreck. The guy was a walking train wreck, okay? Between his appearance, his horrible acting, it was like, this is so bad, I can't stop watching how bad this is. Yes. Okay? Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, give me another scene with him so that I can see if I'm right. Oh yeah. my god, there he is. He's just as bad. So basically what it is, is this guy, when, when, when you have the, uh, John Doe's, the city gives him money to, to cremate these people. But instead of doing that, he takes the money from the city and then he sells, then he's also sold bodies to these scientists. Cause they're like and, criminals and stuff like that. People nobody will miss. Exactly. Homeless people, criminals, whatever. And as it turns out, all the people that were killed in Nick's loft at the end of last season, you know, six months ago, as they said in the timeline, um, he sold all their bodies, not knowing that they're Vessen, because he doesn't know what Vessen are, to these scientists. And these scientists essentially are Frankenstein and back this one scientist kid who's dead. Because he was in a car accident. Because he was in a car accident and died. And so they had to put like different legs on him and a different arm. And when they electric, when they send the electricity through him to try and bring him back to life, his body parts vogue. <laughs> and so they've created a monster. So this is like the first Vessin, non-Vessin episode. Yeah. So like there's no Vessin in it per se other than the previously dead ones that have now been Frankenstein and together. And Hank and Wu stop them, stop stop this kid and the doctors and everything else, and they make the arrest and on and on and on. And Rosalie and Monroe don't help them out for the whole thing at all. They're basically – they're gone through the whole episode. Because Monroe is having a nightmare. Uh, that that Rosalie's just popping out kid after kid after kid. A litter, essentially. <laughs> yes, more than the three that we know that's in there. And she's also giving birth after only being pregnant, like 12 weeks or whatever it is. Um, and then Nick just – and then Adeline's not in it at all. Diana, I don't believe, is in it at all. Nope. Uh, Renard's in it. He's got Diana's drawing of the um, – <laughs> Her car, her color crayon, her crayon drawing that she drew that mimics what they discovered on the cave carvings that Eve did. Anyway, so basically, what they discover now, Renard discovers through this other woman who who figures it out. Uh, I don't know if she had the same computer program that Rosalie did. well, but, she doesn't know uh, exactly what it is, but she knows exactly. It's but coming. she knows it's coming and it's bad. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Eve wakes up. <sighs> it was a really bad episode. It was a horrible episode, and it was, like this whole Frankensteining thing. Season, yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the whole Frankensteining thing. Basically, they're saying that the power of a Vessin is in their body, not in who they are. So, right. you know, oh, this was the arm of a something, and because it was the arm of a something and we attach it to a human, now it can turn into that something. But the human can't, just that no, arm. No, just the arm. Just the arm so, vogues. Just the legs vogue. So when they yeah. vogue, it's not yeah. something that they choose to do. It's something right. that their body chooses. It was ridiculous. It was a Stupid well, the kid, idea. the kid couldn't control it because he didn't know how. I guess maybe I don't know. It was it was just it was a weird. It was a weak sauce episode. And, and I'm just saying, if this is if if they're gonna fucking put Juliet and Nick back together, I'm gonna be pissed. I just the, am. The next episode 
God, the show is ending on such a bad note after four really good seasons. The next episode is entitled Tree People. Yeah. And they're all getting the Evil Dead treatment in the preview. Yep. I know. I've grown to hate this show. Like, I I can seriously say, like, if you asked me to rate my least favorite shows, I would probably put... I look forward to seeing Legends of Tomorrow more than this show. Oh, now come no, on. No, I'm dead seriously. serious. I'm dead oh, serious. Wow. This show is such horseshit now. The only reason I watch it is, A, because it's getting finished this season. It's and, the last season. You know, yeah. I'm at the tail end of the roller coaster. And, B, because I love coming on this podcast and ripping on what a... What a fiasco of horse shit it's become. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I feel like I have to take a shower now. So I did not watch Emerald City. That's too bad. Uh, can we hold off until we both watch the last two episodes? Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch them before we record next week. Okay. Um, and I guess the last shows I have to talk about are mostly Blacklist, but before that one... I did watch another thing on uh, Netflix. Is a show called The Beastmaster. It keeps popping up and keeps wanting me to watch it, so I decided to watch a little bit. And uh, no, it is not a remake of the original Beastmaster TV series. It is, in fact, their version of Ninja Warrior. Oh. And it is not as good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that's all I'm going to say about it. So if you haven't seen it yet, it's basically their version of Ninja Warrior. And... Um, so, what, what, do you have anything else, sir? Uh, I just had a few other ones that I watched. Like, you still have not watched APB, I'm assuming, since you didn't talk about it? Oh, uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if I am, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I still enjoyed it. This was a little bit of an odd episode. Like, he basically crafted a chair that had the same kind of technology in it as a lie detector, but without people realizing it. So it sensed the differences in their skin temperature and sweating and stuff like that while they sat there. Um, interesting. I really think that's stretching the bounds of technology as it stands, but whatever. I mean, lie detectors don't work anyway by themselves. So taking something that's like loose, like this, it just, it was a stretch, but whatever. I'm still enjoying the show. I still like it. Um, Bull was a great episode this week. I'm telling you, this show is going to get bumped up to like a regular talking point for me here pretty soon. It was really great because it brought back a character that had been in an earlier episode. Um, she was the Southern lawyer that he went up against in the, uh, in the courtroom where it was basically all local boys, you know, they didn't get to do a voir dire because the judge was just like, ah, you three, you're going to be part of the jury. And, um, so she's been kind of like a love interest slash nemesis for bull. And then this time they were going up against a guy who's like a multi-billionaire real estate mogul type person. And so he was actively sabotaging them throughout the episode. It was just really good. It, I really enjoy watching this show. The more I watch of it, the more I enjoy it. So yeah. I definitely recommend it. Um, Big Bang this week was 
apparently it was a follow-up because last week's episode that was pretty lame was Raj talking about how, you know, he wanted to be taken more seriously by people. So, you know, he was going to stop having his dad pay his bills. And apparently there was a big fallout from that because his dad was paying everything. He was paying his rent. He was paying his car payment. He was paying off all of his credit cards. And uh, Raj is very poor now. And so this episode, Sheldon agreed to be his financial advisor. And the whole thing was, uh, it was kind of wrapped up with a coming of age thing because he essentially told Raj, you know, you can't do anything without my say so. And Raj was like, that's fine. I need to be put in check. And he was like, okay, well, Comic-Con tickets go on sale next week and you can't afford them. And he's like, but, but I always go to Comic-Con and they're like, yeah, he always goes with us. And so they had this whole thing where, you know, he was trying to figure out how to make money, but he couldn't. And then Howard realized, well, wait a minute, I've got a baby now. I'm going to have to ask permission to go to Comic-Con. And he did. And Bernadette was like, well, you have to work your butt off for the week and, you know, really make it up to me because you're going to be gone for five days, leaving me with a kid. And then Leonard invited Penny and she felt obligated to go because, you know, she never does stuff with him. And so she felt like, well, I kind of have to go. And he didn't want her to go. He was just doing it because he felt like he should invite her because they're married. And he's like, I God, don't I really hate that. Yeah. So by the end of the episode, like Howard said, you know what? I have a baby now. I'm not going to go. You know, Raj isn't going. I'm not going to go. And uh Leonard was like, you know, actually, I've been like 12 times. I don't even want to go. I'd rather spend time with Penny doing something she wants to do or something that we can do together. And then, of course, she got selfish and was like, oh, we can do something I want to do. But Sheldon still wants to go because, you know, it's Comic-Con and he's Sheldon. So it was it was that whole growing up kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we're all getting older and we've got families and responsibilities, so we can't go do what we want to do. It's like they were sending a subliminal message to the audience, you know, grow up kind of thing. Um, and then uh, I'll say very quickly that How to Get Away with Murder had the two-hour season finale. Very well done. Uh, coming back for another season, they wrapped everything up, but then opened it up for more stuff. So I, I was very happy with that. I'm not going to go into details, though, because it's kind of like Law & Order for you. And the only other one that I'll mention outside of the blacklist yeah. was was um the detour came back this week and i i like this show it's a half an hour comedy on tbs it's over the top but not in an angie tribeca kind of way not in a parody kind of way it's more like a uh meet the parents meet the fockers kind of thing you know one of those like things go wrong for this poor guy who's trying to get his family first in the first season, he was trying to bring his company down because they were adding an additive to their hand sanitizer and it didn't work out for him. Now we open up on this season and he's been out of work for 19 months. He's living in a trailer park with his family, you know, and he gets an opportunity to take on a new job back in New York City. You know, they were in, they're in Syracuse now. And so he gets an opportunity to do that. And it's just ridiculous enough that some of the moments are hilarious. Um, the, the best one was they were going to cross the street. You know, the son was there and the, the wife and the husband, the daughter had gone off to grab a hat and, uh, they were getting ready to cross the street and the parents just started walking and the kid's like, whoa, 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 you can't cross the street. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, 
they're like, well, yeah, we can. Don't worry. You know, crossing signals are more of a suggestion than anything else. And um, he's like, no, you look up there. Do you see the white man? And he's like, well, what? Dad's like, you, you can't say white man. And the mother's like, why can't he say white man? Well, he's white and he's a man. And she's like, so what? And he's like, well, it's a little bit racist. She goes, oh, come on. Check your privilege at the door. She goes, look at that. Is that white? And he goes, well, yes. Is it a man? Well, it could be a woman. She could be wearing slacks. She goes, no, it's a white man. So they're having this whole argument. And meanwhile, a black man and his mother start crossing the street. And the son yells out, hey, you didn't wait for the white man to tell you you could cross. And it's just, at that point, I lost it. I'm like, oh, my God. And he keeps it up because then his parents are like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't say that. You can't say that. And the guy's like, excuse me, what did you say? And he goes, you got to listen to the white man. And the, guy, the, the guy's mother is like, excuse me, son. And he's like, do you know what kind of chaos erupts when you don't listen to the white man? It was so oh God, well that's done awesome. because – you know, he's like 10, 11 years old, so it's, he doesn't understand what he's saying, I guess, but at the same time, it's remarkably racist. And he points up at the sign at one point, and he goes, why, what do you call the white man? And the mother gets right up in his face, the black woman, she gets right up in his face, she goes, you don't want to know. It was beautiful, I loved it. <laughs> but the show has that kind of humor throughout the whole thing. And here's the other thing. It's very interesting because the whole first season, it was interspersed. Most of the episodes started and ended with him. He was in a police interrogation room and the police were trying to find out. They, they were like, we're going to get to the bottom of what happened here. So he's telling the story of how they took this road trip and they ended up in Florida and doing all this stuff. Well, in the second season, it's still going on. The interrogation is still going on, but we find out that his wife is in the other room and they're actually not looking for him. They're looking for her because she said that, you know, she didn't want to move back to New York when he got this job because she was very hesitant. She kept saying, I did a lot of bad things when I was in New York. Uh, I was a different person, blah, 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 blah. So the police are looking for her and they're trying to figure out what has happened. We still don't know what's happened. Like she's sitting in this interrogation room with her arm in a sling. No idea why, but hopefully by the end of this season, we'll have caught up to that point as to why they're in this police station telling the cops everything that has happened to them up until this point. Or maybe it'll be in the third season or the fourth season. I don't know. It's a great show. I love the humor in it. It's disturbing, but funny. You know, at the end of this episode, he he attended a club that included a dirty magic show. And long story short, he got gonorrhea of the eye. And it was very graphic the way that they showed it happen. And it was very graphic when they had the makeup on his eye with, like, the yellow pustules and the bloodshottedness. And it was gross. <laughs> They really went all out for this. It was hard to believe that this whole running gag and the yeah, and everything was on TBS. Disgusting. Yeah. So I strongly recommend the detour. The first season is on Hulu. The second season just started up on TBS. So yeah. That was it for shows. Yeah, that just than... sounds disturbing. The gonorrhea yeah. of the eye. <laughs> So anyway, Blacklist. Uh, so, um, Blacklist. So I'm caught up on Blacklist. Okay. And I watched the first episode of Blacklist Redemption. Your, your microphone sounds a little and different. And I must doing say, different with it? I... Oh, hold on. Oh, yeah, I'm showing poor quality. Ah, hold on. that must be it. Okay. 
And there we go. I'm back. Excellent. So, uh, yeah. So Blacklist. Um, I'm all caught up on Blacklist, and I watched Blacklist Redemption. And I had a lot of high hopes for Blacklist Re- Blacklist Redemption. I was really – I had a lot that I – um, I was excited about the show. I was excited that if the show was as good as the backdoor pilot they did was in the last season, earlier this year, whenever it was, that it definitely would be a show I would look forward to. And remember how we kept wondering, how are they going to get Tom away? Yep. Um, they're just going to say, I'm, they're just going to make up excuses, apparently. <laughs> uh, that is the only part of the episode I didn't like. Like, it starts out with, like, oh, I have to go to New York for my dad. Because it did tie into the blacklist. I mean, because a few episodes ago, they talk about his dad dying. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't care. Well, clearly he does. And that's built over the next two episodes of the blacklist. And then we get to the redemption episode. And it almost basically starts where the, like, in in the lives of Tom and Elizabeth, blacklist redemption pretty much picks up right where the most recent blacklist ended off. Yep. And it's just like, well, I have to go to New York to see my dad, to see the, my dad's lawyer. And instead, he ends up going on this, you know, seeing his dad. His dad's alive. He wants him to infiltrate his mother's business. She's going to contact you. On and on and on and on and on. And essentially, like, I feel like he keeps calling Liz and is just like, hey, I'm going to be a little bit longer. And she's like, okay. And that was the only part I didn't like. The rest of the episode, I really enjoyed. I liked him working on that team. I like how that team worked together. I like Solomon, the character Solomon, quite a bit. I do too. That's the best role that I've seen that guy in. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm Mateus Solomon. I'm glad that he's back because I really like him. I love the part near the end where, like. <laughs> Solomon's trying to explain to this woman how Tom would never really kill anyone because, I mean, look at me. I'm still alive, and I basically <laughs> shot up his wedding and kidnapped his woman. <laughs> yep. And Tom's just, like, not helping. Like, just that whole – how they play off each other. I just – I really enjoy it. I like the Ocean's Eleven, Mission Impossible type theatrics. Yes. Like, you know, like, okay, so – and I know I'm, I'm jumping around because I know you watched it. But basically – they go on this mission. They need to kidnap this girl. She's surrounded by bodyguards all the time. So how do they kidnap her? Oh, well, she swims. So they're going to go underground, <laughs> blow up the bottom of her pool, cause her and all the water to drain out. They're in scuba gear with masks on, and they set a net, net up to catch her. And that's how they get – that was awesome. Yes. Very far-fetched. Very awesome. The fact that they, they went down to the detail of like – uh Strapping themselves in because the water rush yes. was going to knock them away. Yep. Hooking themselves up. They got the scuba gear on. They got the big net out to catch her. It was fantastic. Yes. I enjoyed it. So there was, a, there was so much I really liked about the episode. Me too. I just didn't like like Tom's excuse for not being at home. Right. Because he's allegedly going to be going for an interview for a teaching job and on and on and on. And, and also, one thing that I didn't particularly like I, I it was interesting to see john Locke. I, I he'll always be john Locke to me um john Locke is his father um yep. who's supposedly dead but not really but yep. the fact that tom knows that scotty is his mother he knows this um he's keeping it from her 
so that she doesn't know about it. And then we had that scene. <sighs> yes. Where really, un- yes. The, uh, the, she has a thing strapped to her thigh because it had to get really close to a person to clone their access card. And so he, they had to dance really close and she's dancing with him. And then when it's all ready, you know, the card's ready to go. He had to reach down and eject it from well, her thigh. And she's like acting all seductive. And she's like, you know how to push my buttons. No, no, no. He doesn't have to reach down to get it. She could have reached oh, down to right. get it. She, made she him. guided his hand mm-hmm. down to get it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is my mom. This is my mom. This is my mom. Yeah. You know? And yeah. And, and I will say this, though. she finds out? I, I will say this. Van K. Jensen's like 52, 53. She's still a good-looking girl. She really is. Yeah, like I didn't realize she was that old. Like I think I remember looking it up the first time they said, "Oh, this is Tom's mom." I'm like, "She's not old enough to be Tom's mom." She is. Yep. Yeah, she is. She, she looks like she's she had doesn't... some work done around her lips. I don't know I didn't because her mouth wasn't opening like a normal person's. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that she's a good-looking girl for her age. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, I I did enjoy it though. You know, uh, they're. Their stereotypical hacker guy. Oh, I bet you love that. Being the glasses wearing, uh, man fro or man perm, overweight, barely able to breathe guy, and all the magical things he could do. And, and he's throwing out technology terms, and I'm listening to him, and I understood most of what he was saying, and was laughing and saying this is ridiculous. And then he's like, "I'm even impressed by what I said." You shouldn't be. Cause it's garbage. <laughs> Um, what did you think of some of the technology they have access to, like that that ocular lens or whatever it is that basically the contact has the camera built in that the woman didn't realize was on her eye until she saw it reflecting in the mirror? It was very Mission Impossible, and that's more believable than this guy being able to hack some of the stuff that he said. Um, yep. But I know that like uh, Snapchat has a set of glasses that are out this year that are like that. They're actually glasses, kind of like Google Glass was. Yeah, these are actual glasses that are designed for Snapchat, so that you can take pictures while they're on your face. Um, so it, the technology is not that far off. It's very believable compared to some of the other stuff that I've seen out there. I liked, though, like you said, it's technology that they seem to have access to that you don't see on the blacklist. You know, you. I think we're just going to see it for these guys and not for. Elizabeth and crew type of thing. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was a good start. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to future episodes, but I'm also trying to like, how are they going to get Tom away from Elizabeth? Unless he just flats out tells her what he's doing. Right. Which hopefully he does. Yeah. Which I'd rather see that than him have to creatively dance around it every week. Exactly. I agree. So I, I liked it so far. Yep. Me too. Uh, blacklist. Um, I don't. Re- I, I caught up. I don't really care about uh, last week's episode. Um, the hacker thing. Yeah, I, I. No, that was the most recent episode, wasn't it? The hacker one. No, the most recent one was where Red wakes up and doesn't remember what happened. Okay, that's before. right. For some, I watched them back to back, so they merged together on me. All okay. right. So two weeks ago was the big hacker thing, which I, my thought was like, oh, I'm sure John's loving this. I freaking hated it. But I love um, the gun. Like I said, yes. when we talked last week, I love the gun. 
Yeah, that gun was very... Titanium rods at Mach 7. Explosive. Not sure why it didn't take that guy's arm off when he fired it, because something being fired at Mach 7 from 0 to Mach 7 like that would probably... uh, You've seen a mortar fire. You've seen anti-aircraft fire. I mean, there's recoil. There's recoil in a regular sniper rifle. The fact that that guy didn't lose his shoulder when he fired that thing is ridiculous. There was insufficient recoil in that gun, absolutely. And it probably it wasn't gunpowder discharged. I know all the gun nuts out there are going to be like, you know, it wasn't gunpowder discharged. It was electromagnetically charged. You know, the rails, it's a rail gun, basically. I get that. But come on, a steel rod that big being fired at Mach 7 from standstill in a portable rifle, there's going to be some kind of pushback. I really think that they undersold that. But anyway, I could be wrong. No, no, I don't think you are. Uh, so the most recent episode, Red's poisoned. Yes. And we don't know who poisoned him. And he doesn't remember anything about the night before. And he, um, yeah, he doesn't remember anything about the night before. He doesn't know who poisoned him. Um, I do. It was, it was a, I do. <laughs> it was a great episode. Um, let me ask you. Obviously, Denby's the one that poisoned him. Yep. And tried to kill him. Did you see that coming from when yep. he disappeared? Like, did you say, oh, because he's disappeared because he's the one that did it? Yeah, but I actually said, oh, he disappeared. He's the one that did it because the one who actually accessed that account and who is setting this whole thing up and is trying to take Red out is his cleaner. Yeah, Kate. Yeah. That's and- who I thought did it. That's who I thought the suspect was the whole time, not not Denby. Well, that's the thing is the TV show shows you that it's Denbe because they want to lead people down that road. But the fact of the matter is it's her because Denbe had loyalty to her. When Red took her out, that's when Denbe started questioning his yep. motivations and that's when he felt really bad. He was upset and he didn't like the new cleaners and blah, blah, blah. So he's had this loyalty. She reached out, got a hold of Denbe and he's like, you know what? Yeah, I agree. Let's do this. Or do you think – Denby poured the glass of scotch that he drank that had the poison in it. Mm -hmm. But do you think after that happened, she reached out and said, hey, this is what I did. And now he's on the run because he thinks Red's going to think he did it. Or he's like, well, okay, I see why you did it. I'm not going to be around either one of you. No, I personally, I think we're going to find out that they were working together on that part of it. I I just have a really hard time with how from the first episode, how just devoted Denby has been to Red Mm -hmm. that he's capable of doing this and turning on him like that. I know he's questioned things, but I could see him leaving Red, but actually killing him. I, I don't know if he's even trying to kill him because remember the other thing too, is that they could have poisoned him and dumped him in the woods or something like that. He is still alive. They wanted him to live. Just like when they were trying to track down who had spent that money, who had hired that woman to ruin him. Like, Dembe could have just put a gun to his head and killed him. They want to make him suffer because they want to show him that, you know, loyalty is something that should be valued or something along those lines. I think it's a bigger lesson kind of thing. Or maybe it's even to be like, you know, you didn't realize how vulnerable you could be. Okay. Okay. I can go with that. I can go with that. Either way, it was a powerful episode. Yes. The uh, the 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 neighbor, the black girl that he gagged and put in the trunk. Mm-hmm. 
And he opens the trunk and he's like, who are you? And she's like, is this a joke or whatever? Uh, my favorite part was when she said, well, you've, well, you very politely said. <laughs> and then she like, you know, like, what happened? Well, I, I came out to see what it was and, and, and I said, the police are on the way. And you said, well, I'm very sorry. This is unfortunate, but now you'll be coming with us. Like, it was just like, I, I could see that. Him saying that, yeah, so I thought that was kind of funny. And then she wanted to help him for some reason, which I was like, "Well, plight or not, why would you help a guy that you know holding you at gunpoint and you know threw you in a trunk?" And yeah, mm. yeah. But I liked it. I liked I liked uh, the two episodes. I really liked that episode. I'm very excited to see what happens next. Yep. On Blacklist, I liked Blacklist Redemption. I'm looking forward to those future episodes. So, yeah, good, good job, guys. Good job. Yeah, yeah. it was. That's a good note to end the uh, TV part of the show on. Yeah, that good shows. Um, I watched a couple movies. Okay. I watched well a documentary and a movie. I watched a movie called uh, Avengers Grim. It stars Casper Van Dien and Lou Ferrigno. It's okay. a mockbuster combination of Avengers Age of Ultron and Once Upon a Time. I did not watch the whole thing. Uh, I watched a portion of the movie, and I had to shut it off. <laughs> like the opening was, title credits? <laughs> I watched like the first seven minutes, I think, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, this is terrible. Dude, you said Casper Van Dien and Lou Ferrigno. I don't know why you ever hit play. I don't know either. <laughs> so I watched it on Netflix. It's terrible. Stay away. Stay very, very far away. Already done. Yeah. Uh, another documentary I watched on Netflix called The Hurt Business. And this is a very good documentary narrated by Kevin Costner about mixed martial arts and the rise of MMA. And they talk to a lot of current and past stars. Um, of course, they talk a lot about the UFC because that's what's predominant. Um, they had a really great segment on Gary Goodridge and uh, how how his uh, brain damage from concussions is affecting his life from fighting, uh, how he fought when he shouldn't have and, you know, fought when he was injured or, you know, he'd have a concussion, hadn't healed from it, and he'd fight again and get knocked out again and – um, so that, I mean, that was really, really good. I think I want to say it was probably filmed around 2014. And since, you know, they, and it just got released last year, uh, end of last year, I believe. And so they have like the, the catch you up text at the end, whatever, but really good documentary on MMA. If you like it, check it out again. It's called the hurt business. Okay. Yeah. Did you watch any movies, sir? I watched a film. I don't know that I would call it a movie because movies are entertaining, but uh, <laughs> it was the uh, previous blockbuster Legend of Tarzan. Oh, God. And yeah. I know everybody who's listening went, okay, wait a minute. There have been a lot of Tarzan-type movies. Which one was this? This was the one with Stellan Skarsgård and Margot Robbie and um, uh, Sam Jackson. And the thing is, this movie didn't know what it wanted to be because it starts off telling us about how um, all these kings and, and higher ups and dukes and stuff like that got together at a convention and decided to divide up Africa among themselves. And, you know, you're just getting these little lines of text that are explaining how this happens. Already, that's bad. That's bad storytelling. You get a narrator, get somebody to read it, you know, out loud. Get Morgan Freeman. 
he's got a great voice for this stuff, but no, we get to read. I'm like, great. So this story takes place after Tarzan was brought back from the jungle and restored to his former glory at Greystoke Manor. And, uh, you know, he's been living here for a while. He's married to Jane and, uh, well, we see that, um, the King of Belgium took the Congo in this little meeting and, and the Congo is his and he wants to exploit the diamond mines in there and he's building a railroad, but he's overextended himself. Yes. The King has overextended himself to the banks and he's gone default on his payments. Isn't this exciting so far? Don't you really want to watch this movie? So, yeah, he's defaulted on his payments. No, I don't. So he sends an envoy of his with a bunch of armed guards down to the Congo to secure diamonds. And they get ambushed by all the the ghost warrior um, natives, and they get, like, killed. All of them are killed except for the main envoy, who, by the way, is the actor who played, like, um, Blodnowski in uh, Kick-Ass. He, he was the main bad guy villain type person in Horrible Bosses 2. I can't think of his name, but he's one of those guys that if you looked at him, you'd be like, oh, it's that guy. And he, of course, you know, looks like the most unassuming, cowardly little guy. But, of course, he's like a master ninja who has this rosary bead around his wrist that is made of, like, some kind of super spider silk that can't be broken. And so he basically tells the chief of that tribe, after they kill every one of his men... All of his men are dead. He's the only one alive, and the chief's like, what do you want? And he's like, I want your diamonds. And the guy's like, okay, here, have three diamonds, but bring me what I want. And then they fade out. <gasps> I wonder what he wants. Oh, he wants Tarzan, of course. You'll find out later on in the movie that it's for a stupid convoluted reason, but then we get to see Tarzan finally and see him signing documents and talking to bankers, and then we see flashbacks because the movie can't decide. It's like... Oh, we're going to pick up from after the story of Tarzan because everybody knows the story of Tarzan. But maybe somebody doesn't know the story of Tarzan, so we should do flashbacks so that they know the story of Tarzan. It's terrible. This movie was so boring. It was, it, it just, it made me upset to be watching it. But I watched it all the way through to see if it ever picked up. It didn't. It had terrible green screening when they were in the jungle and swinging from trees. There were parts in there, and I am not kidding, where like he's in a tree with a couple of natives and Sam Jackson. They're all standing there in the trees and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is green screening of the level of Luke in the rancor pit in return of the Jedi. Like, you know, when you go back and you watch that and you take your, you take your nostalgia glasses off and you're like, holy God, this is terrible. That's what it was like. Like you could see places where they cut the people's feet out to put them, you know, like to transpose them onto the tree. It was terrible. The action scenes were okay at best, but they were always like foreshadowed. You know, there's the scene in the beginning where, uh, Jane is talking to these little kids and quizzing them and saying, okay, what's the most dangerous animal in the jungle? And it can snap a, a crocodile's back in two. And they're like, the hippopotamus? That's right. So, of course, then later she gets chased through the water by a hippopotamus. Just, you know, because they had to follow up on that and make sure that we knew it. Don't recommend. Don't watch this movie. Avoid it. It was stupid. There were some pretty points. Other than that, stupid. I've got a suggestion for a partial avoid a movie. Oh, cool. 
Uh, I watched Nocturnal Animals, and this is the uh, Amy Adams flick, Jake Gillahand, Gilliland, whatever. Um, basically. Gyllenhaal, sure, whatever. You know who I'm talking about. Basically, this is the, 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 the premise of the movie. This movie takes place with two storylines. The one storyline is Amy Adams, who is a pretentious, uppity art gallery person who is unhappy with her current marriage because her, her husband, who's a businessman, is cheating on her. And she knows but doesn't know that he is. Okay. So her life sucks. And she gets a book from her ex-husband that he wrote that is going to be published, and it's like a final proof copy of the book. And she's reading the book through the movie, and she can't stop reading the book. She loves it. Loves it. And the second portion of the movie is the book. It's her, I guess, she's reading the book, and we're seeing what she's reading. Okay? So I'll talk about that in a minute. The, her reading the book is intercut with her having memories of her relationship with her now ex-husband, who's Jake Gillahan or whatever. Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays her ex-husband, and he plays the lead guy in the book. In her mind, when she's reading it, it's him as the lead character in the book. Okay. okay. So basically, they had a relationship. They were married. She cheated on him. It ended. Uh, they make plans. So after she's reading the book, like she, midway through, she messages him like, hey, this is great. I love it. I can't put it down. Let's get together and have drinks and dinner. And he's like, sure, you say when and where. And she tells him. And then at the end of the movie, the movie ends with her sitting at this restaurant waiting for him to show up, and he never does. Oh, burn. Okay. So – and the movie opens with a four or five minute montage of very large overweight women dancing naked, except they have on white boots and like band hats, like they're in a marching band. What? Yep, it does. And it's, and these women are varying in sizes and age. And I think there's four of them and they're just dancing. And it's this weird music that doesn't go along with them dancing. And their business is just flopping everywhere. And it is, this is the opening credits and it doesn't make any sense. And then it cuts to this gallery and it's Amy Adams gallery opening of her new exhibit, which is these four giant monitors, but they're not wide. They're just long. So they're like, say three feet wide, but like six feet tall, but maybe they're like 10 feet wide, 30 feet. tall. I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. And it's these four women dancing naked on the monitors. And then they're lying on display tables naked with the same outfits on and they're just laying there and people are just walking around them talking and Amy Adams even sitting down on one of its tables at one point because she's sad for whatever reason. I don't give a shit. She's a pretentious considers art. Yeah. She's so her character that that's who her character is a very pretentious uppity. I don't know. Anyhow, I would have stopped watching is. at that point, just so you know. Okay, so I did stop. The first time I tried to watch it, I did stop after that. And then I was like, well, no, because the trailer says it's a great psychological thriller, so I want to see where it's going. So I started again, but I, I skipped that part. <laughs> and basically, everything I've just described sucks, and I hate it, and it's stupid, and I'm not going to watch it again. However... <laughs> 
The this has to be a part, pretty powerful, however. It is. The book part where she's reading and uh-huh. we see the story of Jake Gillahan, Jellen Hall's character, okay, yep. is awesome. It's like a throwback to like a 1970s revenge flick. I mean, he and his family are driving down the road. It's late at night. He getting a little road rage incident with another guy. Then they force him off the road. And then there's that. You have these three like douchebag local redneck hillbillies that you just hate because they're obnoxious. And essentially they end up kidnapping his wife and daughter and then they rape and murder them. And then Jake Gillahan's character is hiding out in the desert because they're trying to find him to kill him, Hall, whatever. And then he finally gets a hold of the police. Michael Shannon is the lieutenant investigating the case. He is amazing in this movie. Like he gets nominated. He got nominated for an Academy Award. And I know we talked about him earlier, but still he deserves it. I mean it was he was amazing in this movie. I loved his character. Um, and essentially they find the guys, they hunt them down and one gets killed in a botched robbery. The other two, he get arrested. But the guy that the primary guy that raped and murdered his wife and daughter were gets off of a technicality. He gets released. Michael Shannon character is like, I have, you know, stage four lung cancer, metastasized. I'll do whatever you want. I'm tired of these fuckers getting away with things. So they grab him and they kidnap the two guys that are still alive and they bring them out to the middle of the desert to this shack. And one gets away. The other gets killed. Jake, Jake Gilhall's character goes down, hunts him down, finds him. They have this weird standoff. I mean, it is a great – that portion is great. Like if that was just the movie – I would enjoy that. Like, I wish they would make a full-length movie based on that because I thought it was that good. It's a big throwback to like a, a 70s, you know, revenge flick, and I loved it. But everything around it with Amy Adams, her character, that whole, all that shit was just garbage to me. <laughs> but that internal part was really, really good. I really liked it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, like if I could somehow edit the movie and take out all the other crap and just put those parts together, I mean, it would be like a 40-minute movie, unfortunately, (laughs) Uh, but it would be really good. Cool. So, yeah. (sighs) So we're we're running pretty long today, um, but I still want to touch base on a couple bit of a news items. Yep. As do I. Fargo return. Fargo returns to FX on April nineteenth. It takes place in two thousand fifteen. I think it is. Um, the only trailer I've seen so far or is a giant Santa Claus that gets shot and it deflates. Yep, that's all they're showing. That's all I care about. I'm going to watch it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and then uh, Chris McKay, who directed the Lego Batman movie, has been tapped to direct the uh, Nightwing movie. Apparently, yeah. I I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I'm not sure either. It sounds like a good thing, but who knows? But this is also coming on the heels of what we were talking about last week, which is the whole I don't want to be Batman anymore kind of thing. Yep. So it'll yeah. be interesting. It will be. I like Nightwing as a character. I would really like to see that movie. But, you know, I, I don't know. Batman Lego movie is supposedly really good. I don't know if that's because the director was really good or because the writing was really good. Yeah, I'm excited for a Nightwing movie if they could do it right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I would be too. If they can do it right, I would be too. I have no problem with that. Um, and, uh, do you have any other news you want to talk about? Well, I had already talked about the different renewals. Voltron, the Netflix series, has been renewed for a third season, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. That is. Doing well. Um, Mystery Science Theater 3000, the reboot. They yes. announced it officially. It will be out April 14th on Netflix. I oh, see that. Uh, they've been talking about that on the Nerdist now for months. I am so stoked for this. I can't even begin to say. Not to mention that. that so that's coming out on Friday. That Saturday, April 15th, we get the return of Doctor Who and Class. The premiere of Class, the spinoff that takes place at the Coal Hill Academy. Holy God, that is going to be a great weekend to be a nerd. It really Mystery, is, yeah. Mystery Science Theater 3000, Doctor Who, class, I mean, God, I, I'm in Nirvana right now. I, I <laughs> saw those dates show up and I just lost my mind. So yeah. That's that, awesome. That was the rest of my, oh no, there was one other thing. Okay, so we had talked about, we had done some predictions um, for new shows coming up. And we, yes. we have to uh, look at two of them right now. Okay. okay. One of them, uh, unfortunately, this weekend was marred with the passing of Bill Paxton. Not, not oh, Bill Pullman, yes. but Bill Paxton. Uh, yeah, I know. He was only 61. Only 61. Right? He went in for heart surgery, and they yep. had a complication, and he died from it. Um, yep. Now, he is starring in the TV version of Training Day. Yep. So I don't know how many episodes they had filmed, how far they well, were into production. Okay. I have that actually. Oh, good, good. Uh, they all thirteen commission episodes had already been filmed before his death. The shooting had wrapped up in December. Okay, so so they do have a complete first season, which whether we'll get it or not, though, remains right. to be seen because they Correct. may pull that and decide that they want to reshoot it with someone else or something. But I mean, as of know. right now, they've only aired four episodes. So, I mean, there's still the possibility they could try to ignore it. Okay. And um, wait and see, but who knows? Um, it would give them a good reason to cancel it if the ratings weren't that good. Yep. You know, they could basically say that they wanted to pull it because it was in memory of him or something. Yeah. Uh, and the, or it could have the opposite effect where people now are going to go watch it because he died. Right. That's true as well. Um, And then the other show is the show Doubt. Now, I gave this one a big thumbs down, said that I did not think that it would last. This is the one that has Catherine Heigl as the lawyer lady. Yep. Um, Apparently, they've aired two episodes, and it's been pulled from the uh, rotation. They also had all 13 episodes filmed and in the can, yep. but they've already pulled it. They haven't officially canceled it, but yep. it is not on their lineup anymore. I did I did hear or read or whatever that um, they were going to solve the mystery by the end of the first season, like well, someone had good. said. That. Yeah, not that it matters now. But. Hey, real quick, it's late at night. Uh, the Academy Awards have all been handed out. Mm-hmm. So real quick, the big winner this year was La La Land with six awards, followed by Moonlight with three, and then Hacksaw Ridge and Manchester by the Sea tied for two. But the uh, the Best Picture Award went to Moonlight, which I don't know what that is, and I've not seen it, and I, I doubt I will. Same here. 
Best Director went to La La Land. And Best Actor went to Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea. And Best Actress went to Emma Stone for La La Land. I'm, I'm Buried in all this <laughs> is, ben, is the is fact... Is Ben Affleck crying? <laughs> no. Buried in all this is the fact that the fucking Suicide Squad won an Academy Award for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. <laughs> but that's not going to be on the cover box when they announce that. They're just going to say... Suicide Squad won an Academy Award. Yeah, Oscar-nominated, Academy Award-winning. Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad, yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh, that's excellent. Isn't that phenomenal? I mean, sincerely, isn't that just phenomenal? Because... I don't know if a Marvel movie's won an Academy Award for anything. Nope. You know, but... A DC movie has now, so up yours, Marvel. Jesus. So, so let me get this straight. So Ben Affleck's quote-unquote lesser-known little brother, Casey Affleck, yep. just won an Academy Award for Best Actor. Yep. And the movie that Ben was in, barely, Suicide Squad, where he, yep. he did a little bit of his Batmaning, got an Academy Award as well. Yep. It's got to be a bad night to be Ben. He's probably a sad Ben right now. Maybe. Poor guy. (sighs) Fucking Suicide Squad has an Academy Award. (sighs) Yeah. But Mystery Science Theater 3000 is coming back. That's what I'm going to keep going with. (laughs) Yeah, let's end on that note. Yeah. (laughs) April 14th and 15th. Yes. Tax Nerd. Nerd Nirvana. That's right. Yeah, so, let's go yeah. on that note. All right, it's cool. One in the morning. Yeah, thanks. So, so you're gonna send us off? Or I said thanks. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I got way more beal than this. Uh, uh, hey, uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Superstar Mel. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at the Quantum Geek G33K. <laughs> The show is at What Did You Watch? The Facebook is at What Did You Watch? I just posted a trailer tonight to Jim Kata, which just go watch it. Just go watch the trailer. It's phenomenal. Can, can I do it when it's not one in the morning? It's, yeah, sure. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you later. 